Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved. Cast out demons and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of men's souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, I can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. Tonight is a double feature. Don't you love double features? Where else better to spend a Saturday night? Uh, it's going to be my special honor to have Rob Skiba on the line. Rob is a filmmaker, and he's going to be talking about a new miniseries that uh, God has given him, I believe, 72 episodes already for this program that he wants to bring to the air, and it's going to be called the Seed Seed the Series. We're going to be talking about what the Seed's all about. One of my favorite subjects we're going to be delving in tonight. And uh, if you missed the previous program, as always, these shows go up in the MP3 archives, typically within about 15 minutes of the conclusion of the programs, and uh, you can download them right to your uh, hard drive, Laptops, put them on your MP3 players and listen to them on a road trip. Uh, you can also download these uh, via iTunes. If you go to iTunes, just do a search on Omega Man, you're going to find two things. You're going to find the movie called The Omega Man by Charlton Heston, and you're going to find Omega Man the podcast. <laughs> and uh, we've got over 125, 130 last count programs in the archives, and uh, they have anointing on them especially the programs that we've done where there's been deliverance ministry. And uh, start spreading the word about Omega Man Radio. Uh, go to our website. You can also download it there. Play these off the archives. Tell a friend. Uh, join me also over at Facebook. Add me as a friend. You'll get updates. You can also sign up for our newsletter over to MegamanRadio.com, and we're going to be putting out a monthly newsletter with some special updates to our friends. And uh, before we go to the phone and get Rob on, I also want to make uh, the announcement that our first feeding in India went through with a success. I received the photos today. So all those that uh, sold into the Bizeg Street Kid ministry, 
where we feed the the orphans, the widows, the elderly. Many that the government has totally discarded. Uh, you're going to see the fruit of your labors. Uh, there were people that were fed, led to Jesus Christ, and uh, I've got the proof. We're going to be putting that back up, and we're going to be doing another feeding program. So I want to thank everybody that uh, has partnered with me in the India Project. Okay, without further ado, let's go to the phone and get Rob. Stand by. Rob, are you with me? Yes. How are you? Brother, it's a pleasure to have you on tonight. Well, man, thank you for having me. Amen. Um, you and I had a chance to uh, visit this week, and, um, you know, what may have probably just been a 10-minute um, program turned into about three hours <laughs> yeah, conversation. <laughs> we have so much in common, and uh, uh, our lives have run parallel in so many ways. But uh, I tell you, uh, I I have a uh, the trailer to Rob's new miniseries called Seed up right now in the show notes, folks, of the chat room. And uh, you need to go over there and hit play and watch this thing. It is wild. And so uh, a good friend of ours, Rob, uh, Steve Quell, wrote me a note and uh, said, you need to get Rob on the program. And uh, you had sent me some links, and I went over and checked them out. And the, the first thing I looked at was this uh, promo to the seed. So we're going to be talking about that tonight. Sure. Um, so, Rob, um, tell us uh, about the seed series, how this all got started. And uh, we'll, we'll touch on that and a number of things. About I want to talk about also how God has basically been leading you and uh, speaking and revealing a plan. Yes. Um, the idea for Seed, uh, I also have had a, um, an extreme interest in Genesis chapter 6 pretty much my whole life. Um, in the beginning, it was for an entirely different reason. I was always fascinated by the flood and, and the evidence in the fossil record that I believe it was caused by the flood and, and using the creation model and, and, and the whole idea of a global flood as kind of my answer to debate with people uh, that believed in, from an evolutionary perspective. Um, so I was always fascinated with Genesis 6, mainly because of the dynamics of the flood, but I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the reason for the flood until about two years ago. And that's uh, that came as a result. Uh, I was a uh, missionary, and uh, I've been to 15 countries in the last six and a half years. And, wow. Um, my job was, I had kind of a twofold job. One was primarily to be the multimedia director of the international mission organization I was a part of. Um, and as part of that, not only did I get to shoot video of what was going on in the field, but I also got to participate in ministry itself. So uh, it was an amazing uh, six and a half years being able to see and do a lot of incredible things uh, for the kingdom. You know, let's actually take it in. Let's go rewind all the way back. Um, okay. Let's go back to your childhood. Uh, sure. We were both... Um, Reminiscing of how we remember Star Wars came out, I think that was back around '77. Wow! And uh, you know we're about the same age. I'm getting ready to turn 41. How old are you? Uh, same thing. I was born in uh, June '69. So many of you out there, folks, uh, may have remembered when Star Wars came out. I remember me and my younger brother Damon. We went in and uh, we came out, and first thing we did, we went and found uh, toothpicks and corks, yeah. and we're making little Tie Fighters. And uh, you know, uh, you had a similar experience. Uh, what were you doing back then at about seven years old? Well, uh, that was the year that I accepted Christ as my Savior, first of all, um, when I was seven years old. Uh, so seven's a big number for me. It's, you know, it's God's number, but in 1977, at age seven, I, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Praise God. And, of course, as you just mentioned, I also that was the year that I, I saw Star Wars for the first time. And I'm the only boy in my family. I have a, 
uh, a sister, and all my cousins were female. So that was the year my grandfather retired, and I was always like, what do you want to do today, Robbie? And I, I want to see Star Wars. So I saw it 13 times that oh uh, <laughs> first year that was in the theater. You know, my grandfather slept through most of it, but I brought a different friend just about every time. And, uh, man, that, that movie just blew me away. And I knew from that young age that I wanted to be one of three things. I was either going to be an astronaut, uh, movie star, or a filmmaker. Uh, by the time I was 30 is what I said at, at age seven. By the time I'm 30, I'm going to be this. and, and Or I thought I'd be dead. And, and it wasn't because I had a death wish. I just kind of thought if I didn't achieve those any of those things by the time I was 30, it was because I was dead, because I was so driven, you know, to, to make those things happen. And it wasn't but maybe a year after after that, when I was about eight years old, that I got an eight-millimeter um, film camera at a yard sale somewhere. And I uh, turned my basement, the basement of my parents' house, into a my own little soundstage movie studio. I had um, what we called lava rocks. They were basically uh, tar rocks hanging from the ceiling with, from fishing line wow, uh, to create yes. uh, like an asteroid field. And and the lens guard, you know, the the, um, the the thing at the end of the lens there, I would put uh, toothpicks together and make it look like the Tie Fighter windshield. And so it was like you were inside the ship <laughs> with the oh, with yeah. the camera. So I basically had a camera glued to my face from. About age eight uh, till today, still do. Oh my goodness! Um, now, what kind so of camera I, were you using it back then? Well, at that time, it was just an eight millimeter film camera. I later progressed to a VHS camera, camcorder. Uh, then from there into more industrial, um, corporate type of uh, professional cameras. Now, this um, uh, detail, folks, that we're going through is very important because, you know, as others were out, you know, riding the big wheels and the huffy bikes, bikes and all the stuff <laughs> we had back then. Uh, Rob was actually being put on a course uh, that would take him to where he's at now, uh, learning at a very young age uh, cinematography, much like uh, Steven Spielberg. Yes. You know, I really believe that if if we have a dream, it's because God, the dream giver, gave it to us. And uh, he actually wants us to achieve our dreams so that he can accomplish his will through our passion. And I really believe when you look back at your at your life, whatever if you are living your passion, if you're fortunate to, fortunate enough to do that, you look and see that God has truly prepared you in advance um, to do it. And um, I, I've stepped out with that belief that God does want to achieve His will through my passion, and has He has given me the dream, but only after I had kind of a paradigm shift. I I, I chased the dream my whole life, and it didn't end so well. Uh, back in 2000 to 2002, it was a crucible in my life where I had gotten my priorities mixed up, and and I thought I had well intentions. I used to say I want to make movies for God, but God had to really change some things in me to where I could understand that no, He wants to make movies through me. And, and we're going to um, talk about that, people. The crucible. I mean, uh, that's something I can identify with. Now, Rob, as uh, you you got older, um, you also. Um, had a uh, a dream to maybe fly? Yeah, that was part of the uh the astronaut dream. Um as I got through high school, um I thought, you know what? Uh I really want to be an astronaut because if I can actually go out into space, how cool would that be? I mean, making videos oh, yeah. about it is cool and you know, maybe acting in a against a green screen or something would be pretty wild, but the opportunity to actually go into space was was uh, you know, I couldn't pass that up. So I Right out of high school, and I studied hard and stuff through school, and and uh, got out of high school. And a week later, was in boot camp uh, for the army. And um, within a year of going through basic training, um, I had become a helicopter pilot. And the reason I went that route is because I had studied that the astronauts had learned uh, how to fly helicopters before they learned how to work the lunar landers. Oh yeah. So I 
figured I would go through the helicopter program first, also to follow my dad's footsteps. My dad was a helicopter pilot, and um, so really, I, I, yeah, he flew was in he Vietnam. Uh, yeah, he was in Vietnam, and uh, so he was actually Amazing. still in when when I went through the army. He was still in, and uh, it was kind of a wild situation where we end up in the same unit. Uh, we we were in a uh, air cavalry squadron. Yes, and uh, he was in Delta Troop. I was in Charlie, so we weren't you know we wouldn't have seen combat necessarily together because they don't do that, but. Um, it was oh my cool. goodness! Wow, uh, I was I was a scout pilot and he was a uh, gunship pilot. He flew Cobras, so uh, oh my you know, goodness! Kind of... uh, yeah, I remember those. The uh, you have the AH sixty four Apache and uh, AH one Cobra. Is that right? Yeah, the AH one Cobra. Yeah, and I flew and, it, uh, uh, the OH six Scout 08... helicopter. Oh yeah, OH six. Uh, I used to remember all those acronyms: OH fifty eight, CH forty seven Chinook. Um, sure. Uh, CH4, yeah, CH-47 Delta Chinook, then we had the OV-1 um, Mohawk and fixed wing now. Yeah, I learned on know. the 58 and transferred over to the 086, which was way more maneuverable and a lot more fun to fly. And uh, But see, the thing was, I, I, I that was going to be short-lived, at least in my mind. I was going to fly helicopters until I got really good at it, you know, and um, racked up the hours. And then my plan was to go over into the Air Force, get into the jet program, and use yes. that as a stepping stone, obviously, to, to get to towards NASA. But um, what happened was every year I'd have to take a Class 1 flight physical, and uh, the little, they called it the P-wave or the P-axis on your EKG. Uh, it was a little bump before the big bump on your EKG. Mine didn't come up as high as the textbook said it was supposed to, so they would try to hook me up to the $6 million man machine, you know, the yeah. stress machine, and try to kill me. Uh, and the more they stressed out my heart, the more it would approach normal uh, on the chart. And so they would just kind of scratch their head and say, oh, okay, well, they wrote it as a normal abnormality, and they would give me a pass. But but Maybe. this kind of headache every year, actually, I would get school dates, and then I would lose school dates, and always something outside of my control. Uh, four times tried to get to the next level, and I couldn't do it. So finally I said, you know what, I think God is withholding from me. Uh, so I put that aside and turned my sights back on the the acting and filmmaking side of things. You see, God will work that way, folks. Uh, you know, I was, uh, back in uh, 89, I was uh, newly married, Rob, and I went to uh, to work for the uh, the government. I worked for Department of Defense, U.S. Army, as a civilian, and I worked uh, Warrant Officer Division for about six and a half years. We did uh, assignments for the helicopter pilots. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I had a dream that I, you know, I wanted basically to become a uh, helicopter pilot, and I was working there at assignments branch, so you know we were actually sending people all over the world. Back then, you could do short tours to Korea. You could go to go to Turkey. You could go to uh, Germany, long tours, Alaska, Hawaii, Panama. You know, had a number of places you could go. This was just prior to, I believe, it was Desert Storm. Yes, and we had Desert Shield and Operation Provide Comfort. All these things are coming back to my mind now. Yeah, uh, I was with them until '96, but. Um, just to lay a little bit of groundwork here, I, yeah, I wanted also to fly. But, you know, I didn't have 20-20 vision. Uh, I actually had to wear contacts. And so back then you couldn't get a waiver. And I even tried. I wrote a letter to the Secretary of Defense, and I said, uh, Secretary of the Army, actually, and I said, uh, I would like to get a waiver. And, you know, what's funny is when I sent this letter off, it came back and went right back to the, my boss, whose job was to actually answer these kind of letters. Oh, <laughs> and he brought it over to me one day and he said, hey, I've got to answer this letter that you wrote to the Secretary of the Army. And he said, you know, and here's what he did, is he made me actually write the reply, because it was my job to type these things. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of funny, but... Um, 
Write your own reply. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, if I had gotten this job, I probably wouldn't be here doing the Omega Man radio show today. I would probably still be in the Army. Wow. And uh, I would be flying. But, you know, um, that was something I wanted to do. And, um, you know, it just didn't work out. But uh, I praise God that it didn't work out because I've been able to do uh, some pretty cool things over the the short span of my life. And, uh, you know, all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Well, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of that uh, that song, you know, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, in a, in a weird kind of way like that, you know, God, He's a loving Father, you know, yes. and He He knows what's best for His kids, and 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 you know, I kept wanting to go the direction that probably wasn't best for me, and God would gently uh, guide me and say, you know, even the heart thing. Um, I got out of the army in '93 and was out for a few years. I went back in after, I think it was about five years, because uh, I questioned the decision, whether I, I made the right decision or not. Went back in for a one-year deal, and um, as part of that, I ended up trying to get back in some of the flight programs again, like I hadn't learned, you know, the first time. Uh, but this time, for the first time, I went to the Air Force for my physical, and I had been working out a lot at the time, and uh, I had uh, pretty large pectoral muscles. And what happened was they, uh, the Air Force nurse came in looking at my EKG funding, and I said, yeah, I know the, the P wave, right? And she goes, how did you know? I said, trust me, I've been through this a few times. <laughs> and, and she looked at the probes, you know, they, they put on you, and uh, she just moved the one on my left pectoral muscle over about a half an inch to the left. And for the first time in my life, I had a normal EKG. And, wow. Uh, then for other reasons, I, I I got back out and never looked back. I, I realized, you know what, I did make the right decision. But it was like God just kind of winked at me and said, yeah, your heart's fine. That's just not the direction I had for you. You know. Praise God. Well, where do you go from so, there? Well, from there, I took a lot of weird turns. I um, did a a year with an organization um, that I won't mention by name, but I will say that the initials of the organization started with a C and ended with an A, and there were three initials. And um, I was doing some really weird things with them, Um, got paid a lot of money to do it. Um, But a situation came up where they wanted to send me to Panama. You mentioned that earlier. uh, Same thing, they wanted to send me to Panama, but it was one of those deals where if I got sick, hurt, killed, or kidnapped, nobody knew I existed. And, oh, my goodness. Wow. You know, I was, I was kind of thinking, you know, I'm a little too young for nobody to know that I exist or not, you know. So I made the decision to get out of there, and as uh, things would have it, I ended up um, <laughs> hooking up with a traveling acting group. Uh, I had been doing a lot of acting even during the time I was in the Army with community theater and college theater and stuff. Amazing. And uh, hooked up with this acting traveling group, uh, and toured all around the country with Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> You're not my like long lost brother, are you? <laughs> I mean, maybe a love child. What about your love child? Know, I haven't found you yet. I mean, uh, a brother from a different mother. <laughs> I mean, I literally we just found um, last year. I have an aunt uh, who was actually the love child of my uh, grandfather, my dad's side, and she has three daughters. And um, and basically, I found out that I've got three cousins that I never knew of because you know nice. they decided to hide this skeleton in the closet. But I only say that because, uh, you know, it's interesting. When I was with the government, uh, my dream was to work for this agency that started with a C and ended with an A. And I was doing some part-time work uh, in security, and I had a friend who said, you know what, if you really want to do it that bad, uh, I can get you an interview. Turned out another guy had been recruited and worked for this uh, company. And uh, they actually got me in to take a test. This was back around 94. They rolled out this... uh, TV set on a dolly, and it was uh, George Bush Sr. giving his thousand points of light speech. Oh, and they made me uh, write an essay on it after I took a course of test. 
And, of course, I, I mean, I knew about the New World Order back then, so I said, I really want to get in good. So I wrote a pro-New World Order piece, you know, about the thousand points of light. And and uh, I didn't hear anything for six months. Then I got a letter in the mail, and it says, you've made it to the final round. We want you to go out to the um, the farm, basically. I'll just use the word the farm. And I went out and saw this uh, shrink. Uh, they gave me a physical, and then they sent me in for the lie detector test. And anyway, I made it. There was only like four of us that had made it that far. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't get selected, but I think God knew about that, too. Oh, I yeah. might still be on the inside. But how uncanny it is that uh, we've taken a lot of parallel paths. I didn't know that about you. Did you ever uh, travel with the uh, chipmunks? <laughs> um, no. Yeah. <laughs> that was a trip. Uh, you know, uh, you know, traveling around, Alvin! That, that was me for about a year. <laughs> and uh, I, I ended up... Uh, getting out of that and uh, went through film school in um, 95 and uh, then I started doing a lot of corporate video um, had some I worked for a company up in uh, Chicopee Massachusetts and, really uh, we, yeah it was basically when I started working with a guy uh, uh, he had videotaped one of the shows I did at a civic center and I saw these guys with these nice cameras and thought you know I think I'd want to get back behind the camera again too you know so I uh, ended up contacting him, and it was just a couple of us working out of this guy's father's basement doing wedding videos, but we were doing really high-end videos, and a lot of the clients were people that own their own businesses and stuff, and so that led to us doing corporate video and corporate events. And really, it was the American dream. In about seven years' time, we went from a couple of guys in a basement doing wedding videos to having about a million dollars' worth of equipment, traveling around in 18-wheelers and stuff, and flying all over the country doing huge corporate events and stuff and uh so that was that was a pretty amazing thing too and and just really being able to use the cameras and use the equipment and learning how to edit and do all that stuff when nonlinear editing was first coming out uh and then uh during all that time still pursuing and writing scripts and whatnot and uh got to within a 70 million dollar contract with um Tom wow. Hanks yeah back in 1999 Really? It wasn't for movies or anything. It was actually for the. He was trying to raise money for the National World War II Memorial in Washington D.C. And um, uh, my partner uh, that I was w- with at the time, he uh, had taken the American flag and rearranged the stars to be like a, a really nice starburst pattern, uh, like a ring of stars in the middle with the numbers 2000 in a colonial style font. And uh, he asked if I would be the project manager for this thing, and I said, yeah, absolutely, and uh, trademarked it as the official patriotic millennium flag. Yeah. And we sold uh, 400 of these flags just waving it on the roof of my video production office without even advertising. People just come by. We're like in a strip mall plaza type thing. Yeah. People would come by to buy ice cream at the place down the down the way, and they would see our flags come in, buy them for 35 bucks. And I said, man, if this was, if we could sell 400 flags in Chicopee, Massachusetts without advertising, man, if this went national, it would be huge. And when I found out that Tom Hanks was trying to raise money for the National World War II Memorial, I said, boy, this would be a perfect fundraiser. So I wrote a 26-page proposal, didn't know anything or anybody, but I flew out to L.A. Um, I don't even drink coffee, but I know that's where you meet people, so I hung out. At, it was kind of, <laughs> kind of like a Starbucks on Sunset Boulevard. Really? Uh, and uh, just networking, you know, six degrees of separation, just playing the game. Oh, yeah. And uh, found a guy that heard what I was trying to do. He, he said, you're trying to get to Tom Hanks? I said, yeah. He said he was shooting Castaway at the time. He wasn't even in town. But he said uh, he's uh, he goes to my church. This guy says he's a Greek Orthodox, I guess. Really? And he says he's best friends with the priest. He said, if you want, I'll introduce, come to church with me Sunday. I'll introduce you to the priest. You can show him what you're trying to do. Uh, now, he sure. was born Jewish, and he, uh, he was going to a Greek Orthodox church? Uh, yeah, that's what I understand. Wow. Um, 
So, I, you know, I went to the church, met the priest, showed him a proposal. Uh, long story short, this, you know, the priest was like, this is exactly what he's looking for. And uh, I ended up having to mail a package from the West Coast back to the East Coast, <laughs> where I came from, uh, FedEx's attorney in Washington, D.C., who turned out to be the attorney for Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks for their oh, HBO miniseries, uh, Band of Brothers, which was just about to be released. Yeah, this in was after whole- the time of um, Saving Private Ryan, right? It was after Saving Private Ryan, uh, but before Band of Brothers. And um, so it, basically the, the pitch was simple. It's like, look, uh, the, the price of freedom has been paid. It's time we say thank you. And you buy yes. a flag, and a percentage of every flag that was purchased would go towards a memorial. Okay. And Senator Bob Dole was, uh, Senator Bob Dole was the head of the fundraising campaign. They had to raise $100 million. They had 80 They stalled out, and they're trying to get the 20 so our proposal was to sell two million flags, thirty-five bucks a piece, seventy million dollars, twenty to the memorial, twenty to the manufacturers. It left thirty to split between me and my partner Tom Hanks and the attorneys. And wow! So it, we got real close. Uh, all we needed was a signature. Uh, but a week before the meeting was to take place, uh, ABC News ran a special report on the anniversary of Normandy, and um, some rich guy in the country wrote a check for fourteen million dollars that night. And Bob Dole gets on TV and says, come on, Congress, let's get the other six, get this over with. And I oh my turned, goodness. To my, turned to my wife at the time and said, we just filed for bankruptcy because I had put every egg I had in that basket. Oh, wow. And, you know, that was a that's the beginning of the crucible. Uh, it kind of started in 2000, and it just kept getting worse through the next two years until 2002. I came back from a six-day business trip to California to an empty house, letter of divorce, and found my wife was out sleeping with some other guy. And... Uh, For those that uh, don't know what a crucible is, Mike, uh, I mean, Rob, excuse me, Rob uh, Skiba is our guest tonight. I had, uh, one time I bought a crucible, and (laughs) I was at a uh, gun show. And, you know, you go to gun shows, they have all kinds of things. You know, uh, they'll sell water filters, um, books, you know, handbags. I mean, you you can buy uh, fingernail files, all kinds of stuff, in addition to the guns, of course. And so I was over there, and I saw this table with a little crucible. I said, this is cool. What is this? And he says, uh, yeah, you take this little thing, you can put some uh, magnesium in there, and and uh, you can light it. And what it'll do is it'll get very hot, and uh, you can basically take and uh, you can melt things, you know, like if you wanted to melt down a an ingot or something. And I just thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. So I bought it, and uh, folks, those crucibles get very hot. Let me tell you something. You can get like a 1,000 degrees, brother. Yeah, and you, I you made don't a mistake of touching that. that thing without a glove. And talk about the burn of my life. I mean, I was—I mean, it was like I put my hand into the furnace. And, you know, we can have spiritual crucibles in our lives. You know, God will actually put you through the fire. And you can, uh, you can come out as refined as gold, or you can be burned up like chaff. And uh, we also call it living on the backside of the desert, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did both. Uh, on the backside now. <laughs> I, you know, I, it almost destroyed me. I, I was, I mean, to be honest, I've been saved since I was seven and grew up in a Christian family. My dad, for a while when I was a kid, was a, a, a Baptist pastor. So I've been around um, the church my whole life and, and it exposed to the Bible and, and God and had a relationship with Jesus from such a young age. But at that point, you know, Scripture says we love God because He first loved us. But I had gotten to a point where I felt like I hated Him because I thought He hated me. And, um, you know, because I, I, I basically ended up living in a Dodge Stratus with everything I owned in it. And, God um, have mercy. was ready to put a bullet in my head. And my uncle, who lived down in uh, Dallas, called when he found out what happened. Uh, he called my mother 
and said, listen, there's this scripture-based self-help program down in Richardson, Texas called The Road Adventure. He's got to go do this thing. And so he uh, he sponsored me. It was a three weekend deal. And man, you know, you have a deliverance ministry. Let me just tell you, I I've never seen church. I've been around the world fifteen times. I've never seen church like I've seen in this organization, where people are healed, set free, delivered. Uh, it's Praise it's God. an amazing, incredible scripture based organization. And um, God used it literally to put me back together again, to restore me. Um, I was. It's a three-weekend deal. My uncle flew me down for the first two weekends, but by the third weekend, uh, I couldn't stand living in Massachusetts anymore, and I was already basically homeless. So I could have stayed at my parents' house, but you know, it's didn't really want to do that because uh, my soon-to-be then ex-wife uh, set up a business right across the street from my parents' house. So wow! Oh my goodness! That, that her boyfriend financed. So it was like every day I'd wake up at my parents' house and go across. It was like. You know, I'm I'm like Asaph in the Bible. How long do the wicked prosper? You know, and uh, it was just messing me up. So I drove down for the third one, and with intentions of going through the pro- program and then heading to L.A. to go make movies because I figured, you know, I was, uh, was it Chris Farley? Uh, I'm living in a van down by the river. You know, I was like Man. already ha- I was like already halfway to the true E Hollywood story. So I figured, you know what? I'll just I'll go out there. But every time I tried to leave the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. God literally withheld me. It was like I hit a force field, and uh, it, I had no peace about leaving. And I said, God, you know, this place is a desert. I mean, there's nothing. They, I grew up in the Berkshires with mountains and everything. It was, it, Dallas is really flat, you know. Uh, uh, I, oh, I know Dallas well. Yeah, I, I went yeah. to high school out there in, in Plano. Now, uh, Rob, we've got a listener in the chat room. They said, uh, what uh, is the name of this location in Texas? Because they would like to get over there and get into the program. Oh yeah, it's uh, if they go to the roadadventure dot org. The roadadventure dot org. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm actually the uh, vice president of the organization now, so they can. Okay, feel so free they move in the full gospel, you. evangelism, deliverance, healing. Yeah, absolutely. Baptism, the Holy Spirit, and uh, well, praise God. Um, that's yeah. awesome. So yeah. you were out there in this program, and now you learned something else going through it too. You learned about the power of the spoken word and. Yeah, now that that happened kind of seems like I didn't understand grace until I came to Texas. I I grew up uh, in a very legalistic, uh, word-based background. I'm, I'm thankful for it because I learned a lot. Uh, I mean, I was always in the Word. My my scripture growing up was Second Timothy two fifteen, and I did. I studied to to make myself approved, you know. Um, but it was one of those types of environment where, you know, they would preach eternal security but made you feel like you're going to hell because your hair touched your collar or if you're listening to rock music or any number of other things um, that they would always be harping on us about. And so as a result of that legalism, I had this kind of good cop, bad cop view of God where where, where the father was like Zeus with lightning bolts that, that couldn't wait to whack me because I said a swear or did something wrong, you know. And then Jesus was the good guy that you could go you know, pray and hang out with. And so I, I could, ne- and this will get back to our Genesis 6 discussion in a few minutes, I'm sure, but um, I didn't understand grace until I went through that crucible. And when I, when I finally got an apartment here in Texas, I, it was a small 700-square-foot apartment. Uh, I didn't really have any furniture. And I tried to get a job. In fact, I got a freelance job as soon as I got here. But as soon as I got myself settled, I ended up getting a new car. I got a new apartment. I had this job. Everything's going great. And then three months later, I lost my job and had no way to pay for my new car or my new apartment in this strange place called Texas. Like a Texas. lot of people today, yes. 
And and I started looking for work like crazy. I was on Monster.com. I was beating on doors. I was looking at newspapers. Every job I, I mean, I'd go to apply for a job to have my picture on the job description, and I couldn't get hired to save my life. And finally, I said, you know what, God, it, it looks like you are. Yeah, it's not because I'm not trying. I'm not getting hired because something's going on here. You're not letting me. Uh, and I said, God, you're going to have to provide for me. And he said, well, you're going to have to spend time with me then. And so I said, oh, okay. And I basically spent from March of 2003 to December on my face, alone in my apartment, just diving into the Word, crying a lot, praying a lot, and reading a lot. <laughs> and I, I ended up reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I've read them many times, but never all in a row, and like right in one sitting. And I got oh all the way to, to, wow. to, to John 14. And, you know, having just read right in one sitting, Matthew, Mark, Luke, got to John 14, and Philip says, Show us the Father, and it'll be sufficient. And Jesus basically says, what are you talking about? You've been with me for three years, and you're asking me this? If you've seen me, you've seen my Father. And and it was like Rocky just punched me in the head, you know? Some, I mean, the, the Scripture just really hit me hard, because I had just read about this amazing guy that loved everybody, judged nobody except, incidentally, the religious people. Yes. Healed everybody he came in contact with, delivered people. This amazing guy, and Jesus says, if you've seen me, Philip, you've seen my Father. And that was the beginning of turning my my spiritual life around in terms of understanding grace for the first time. Uh, and then plugging into this program uh, that I went through, uh, becoming a trainer, then eventually a director, and now, like I said, the, the um, vice president of the organization, I've seen grace work in amazing ways. And, of course, traveling around the world, one of the questions I would ask people as I traveled and the ministry that I was with specialized in what they call restricted access countries. These were places where typically less than 2% of the population had a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And they were typically communist, former communist, Hindu, Buddhist, usually places pretty hostile to the to the gospel. Yes. And I would, so when I would meet these believers, in many cases they were first-generation believers, um, I, I would ask them, what does grace mean to you? And the best definition I've ever heard of grace, because to me, it's like if you say the word grace, word association, for me, I, I don't know why, but I just think like a ballerina or something, you know, graceful. You know, I, It's almost like a, I don't know how to describe it, but just like a, a feminine kind of feeling when I hear the word grace. Um, and people say unmerited favor. They say, you know, getting something good you don't deserve. You know, the, the kind of the pat answers we always hear for the grace. But this one definition blew me away. And the person that told me about it said that if you look at some of the passages in the New Testament, the usual definition that we give for grace doesn't apply. For instance, I think it's in Luke where it talks about Jesus is growing in wisdom and stature and grace with God. Well, wait a minute. What does Jesus need unmerited favor for? You know, what, what does he mean? What, what do you mean he had something good he doesn't deserve? He's, he's God. He's the Son of God, you know. And this guy, yeah. said that his definition of grace was the empowering presence of God that enables you to be who you're called to be and do what you're called to do. And he said unmerited favor and all that other stuff is included in that. But all of a sudden, grace took on a power to, for me, you know, to, to think that, well, yeah, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and the empowering presence of his Father that enabled him to be who he was called to be and do what he was called to do. And there are other passages that apply the same way for, for Paul. All of a sudden now, wow, grace had multiple new meanings for me and, and st started me on a journey to try to understand all this a lot more than what I was taught. And, and when I turned the page to the book of Acts and went through the book of Acts, I got really kind of a righteous indignation, kind of a holy anger 
raged inside of me because I was like, why aren't, why aren't we doing this? Why isn't the church doing this? And I came to the conclusion as I finished the book of Acts that the book of Acts as a book ended because Paul got his head cut off and Luke went on to do other things. You know, we're supposed to still be living it. Amen. We're supposed to still be doing it. And so that sent me on a quest to understand, you know, I grew up in an environment that taught cessation, the gifts of the Spirit ended with the apostles. But I found no evidence of that in Scripture. But I, I, I found the exact opposite. And um, part of studying the Word of God for me is not just reading. I always said you can't just read the Bible in English because English is bankrupt compared to the original languages of Greek and Aramaic and Hebrew. And so started going into really diving into the other languages that the Bible was written in and came across the word sozo, which is the, the Greek word for saved. But it also is a Greek word translated 118 times in the New Testament. Yes, it is translated as saved, as in our sins are forgiven and we get to go to heaven. But it's also translated for deliverance, which which is your ministry. It's used, uh, of the 118 times, the most, it's used in reference to deliverance. And the other two, two-thirds are divided between healing and, of course, salvation, as in uh, forgiveness of sins. So, you know, like a passage where it says, uh, there is no other name under heaven whereby men may be saved, the word is sozo. But... In the context of that that particular passage, Peter's on trial for healing a guy at the temple. And so, really, a proper translation in the context of what the entire discussion is about, it should be translated, there's no other name under heaven whereby men may be healed, because that's what the context of that discussion was. And so, you know, I'm looking at these things, and I'm seeing more and more of it, and it started to get me on a quest to understand healing and deliverance, the other two-thirds of salvation that I've never heard anything about. And, um, and, and of course, when I got in, involved with the missionary work, uh, traveling around the world, I started seeing the other two-thirds manifest. Uh, in fact, God actually used me to heal some people in India through oh, my hands. Yes. See people get healed. And, you know, I'd come back and try to tell people about this, and I'd end up fighting with everybody. Because they would try to tell me, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, wh- what are you talking about? You know, so it became a real passion of mine, and it helped me to grow closer to God the more I dove into these things, to find answers, first of all, to with, with the people, you know, even in my own family, uh, to discuss these things intelligently. I had to dive in deeper, but also just to experience them in my life. And, and the more I would get to experience it, the more I'd want it, and the more I'd want everybody else around me to experience it as well. Amen. And uh, not only was God speaking to you through his word, and showing you that the the gifts the Holy Spirit are for today, healing and deliverance is for today. Um, you also learned about the power of the tongue and the, and yes. basically um, proclamations or de- declarations, decrees. Speak on that for a moment. Can you say that again? Yes, and in, in terms of um, you know the word says uh, in Job, you know you shall decree a thing and it shall be established unto you. Oh yeah, I know. I know where you're getting. And um, you were still single at this point in time, right? Yes. Um, one of the things I learned through the road adventure was the power of the decree, um, and we use a different term for that. We call it the contract. And, and essentially, what that is is you, you come into this program, you know, from whatever walk of life and life issues you may have. Uh, let's say you're you lack confidence. Right. And so your contract might be something like, I am a confident, bold witness for Christ. You know, something, whatever you are not, you create a contract for yourself to become. It's speaking those things that are not as though they were. And so we would create these, uh, a contract for yourself. 
And and for me, it required not just because that's a form of encouragement. But I really believe you have to have a balance of encouragement and discipline in your life um, t- to be healthy. And so you can have this great tool called a contract on a piece of paper, but it doesn't do you any good if you don't discipline yourself to speak it. So I would put this um, contract up on my mirror, and at night before I would go to bed, I would declare it. And my contract was at that time, because trust was a huge problem for me uh, with God, and, uh, and, and I had done it wrong my way and ended up living in a car having lost everything. So my contract was... I'm trusting God and clinging to Him because I can no longer do it on my own. And so I would have to remind myself every night before I went to bed, I'd look in the mirror and say, I'm trusting God and clinging to Him because I can no longer do it on my own. I'd wake up in the morning and I would declare it over myself before I left. And then that progressed to another contract where uh, because I know God loves me, after I achieved that, after it became, came to the point where I did trust Him, I, I would create another contract. And so it became because I know God loves me, I'm able to trust Him with every area of my life, so I serve him any way that I can. And next thing you know, I'm serving in this ministry. I'm being a trainer. I'm a director. Next thing you know, God brings me to this mission organization. I end up serving in ministry, doing what I love to do, create videos. I was creating documentaries that helped missionaries create awareness for what they're doing and raise support. So, you know, I'm doing two things. I'm, I'm helping three things. I'm helping missionaries. I'm serving God, and I'm doing my passion. You know, so, and then it progressed to different ones, and, and the one before the one I have right now was that I have an absolutely gorgeous, godly wife who loves the Lord with all our heart and has a passionate desire to serve in ministry. We work together in unity in all things, meeting each other's needs and bringing heaven down to earth. And I met my current wife uh, at the ministry that I was working at, and we got married on seven seven seven, July seventh, two thousand seven. Oh wow! Uh, we're, so, I want to talk about that. Uh, you've seen a number of. Uh, Patterns. I mean, I, I tell people all the time, Rob. I said, I mean, I, I I came back from Costa Rica in March, and no sooner had I set foot in the states, folks, I'm seeing three 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 every time I looked. At yes, something. I was seeing three three three, and then it it jumped to nine one one, and I've been seeing these now close to seven eight months, Rob. And then yeah. here as of late, you know, when I say I see them, people, I'll be looking at my clock on my laptop, or I'll be in the in my uh, truck, and I'll see it on the uh, the dash of the clock there. I'll see it on a wall clock, and it's just uncanny. I see it all the time. Now I've been seeing four 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 and eleven eleven. Yeah, now, now four, I've got four, four four is a good one. I thought I was losing my mind, and uh, we were talking the other day, and uh, you've also been seeing numbers, haven't you? Yeah, for about three years now. Um, Tell us about that. I, you know, same thing. I would just look at a clock. It'd be two, two, two. I'd buy something at a restaurant, and you know, the the receipt would be five dollars and fifty five cents. You know, I was seeing it like crazy, and I, you know, at first it was kind of oh, that's weird, uh, but then it persisted, and you know, I would see three, four, five times a day sometimes. And finally, I was like, God, what, what is this? You know, and God's basically His word to me was use it as a trigger. I said, a trigger for what? He said, for your positive confessions. I said, okay. So, you know, instead of just seeing whatever I had on my mirror at night and in the morning, if I was going about my day and I happened to see 222 on the clock, I would rattle off my positive confession, you know, my contract. And um, like I said, yeah, I've had I've had five of them. Um, I'm on my fifth one right now, but four of them have all come true. <laughs> Uh, my my current positive confession is, as an Academy Award-winning filmmaker, I bring powerful visions to life on motion picture screens all over the world. My ideas make millions of dollars and draw countless numbers of people into the kingdom of God. 
And so, you know, that's something I desire to be. I'm not yet, but uh, when I see a triple digit, I rattle that off. And I and I do so with confidence, knowing that all my other ones came true. <laughs> you know, uh, faith builds on faith. And so that went on for, well, it's gone on for about three years, but about eight months ago, eight or nine months ago now, I guess, I was sitting at a red light, and um, I looked at my clock, and I was I was listening to something on the radio. Actually, I think it was Tom Horn and Steve Quayle, one of their one of their CD box sets. And, and I looked, and I saw something on the radio, um, uh, the radio clock. It was uh, the time. I forget what it was, but uh, I was like, I, so I rattled off my positive confession, and then it was like God clearly spoke to me. He said, "I'm taking you to the next level. I want you to pull the car over." So I pulled over on the side of the road. And he says, I want you to grab a pen and a paper, and I want you to think about whatever you were seeing, hearing, or doing prior to seeing the numbers, and I want you to write that down. Write down whatever you're seeing, hearing, or doing. Write down the numbers that you saw, and write down where you saw it. And so, and keep a journal. And so I did. I, I kept a journal every time I would see a triple digit. I thought about, I wrote down whatever I was seeing, hearing, or doing. And what it was, you know, a clock or, you know, speedometer or whatever, exit sign, and I'd write it down. And then after a period of time, I went back and looked at my journal, and it was a pattern. There was a clear, very clear pattern where God was speaking some very direct things to me that were answering a lot of questions that I had that led me into me ultimately quitting my job um, in April of this year to do what I'm doing now. But it was a systematic thing. You know, God had to 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 work me to that point where I could trust in the numbers that he was showing me and what he was doing um, and then what they meant. And one of them that stands out the most, I used to know kind of all, but the one that stands out the most to me is 444. My understanding of 444 is that it means God at work in the earth through his covenant people. And what was funny about that is when you and I were talking on the phone, we were talking about this kind of stuff, and you looked and you said, hey, look at that, it's 444. Amen. I said, See, write it down. Two people talking about taking the kingdom, getting deliverance out to people, and here it is, 444 on the clock. And folks, listen, we're not talking about uh, occultic numerology here. That's right. Uh, Listen, uh, there's always the genuine, there's the counterfeit. God has the genuine, and Satan always tries to counterfeit it. Um, You've got uh, Jesus Christ, the true Messiah. Satan is going to have his anti-Messiah, the Antichrist. Okay, um, you've got righteous music, and then you've got Satan, which has tried to corrupt it, and use these instruments that you can glorify God with uh, to glorify the devil. Same thing with numbers. Um, yes. I didn't know what you know about the numbers, and so I, w- I got to the point, and I said, uh, God, if this is not of you, I bind it in Jesus' name. And, uh, you know, folks, listen, God tries to talk once, twice, three times to men, and man comprehendeth it not. You know, he'll speak to you in dreams. He will speak to you through his word. He will can give you a prophetic word through a prophet. Uh, he can even speak to us through numbers. And yeah. um, you know what, brother? I, I haven't heard anybody say that before. That, uh, But, you know, I think that that's right on. Basically, if you're seeing a number, people, make a journal, like Rob says. And then, Rob, you said uh, at the time you see that, write down maybe what you were doing or what you were thinking. Yeah, whatever you're you're thinking about, whatever you're talking to somebody about, whatever you're hearing or whatever you're seeing, just prior to it because they were they're related. And see if there's a pattern there. Yeah. And uh, folks, God can do use any means He w- wishes to to communicate with us. And sometimes He can't talk to us because we don't spend any time with Him in His Word in prayer. You know, or maybe you'll say, "Well, God doesn't talk to me anymore. He used to." Well, when did you talk to Him last? 
And I'm preaching that for myself, too. I've had a very hard time recently hearing from the Lord. And I know over my own life, Rob, uh, I've had the Lord speak many times through uh, my 78-year-old grandmother. She's a prophetess. And, you know, she would call me in the wee hours of the morning, you know, 2, 3 in the morning, wake me up. And I always told her, I said, if God gave you a word, just wake me up right out of bed. And, uh, you know, that's how he would talk to me. And then I've, I've started to grow, and he'll speak to me out of his word. But I still have issues. And, uh, you know, I think we're sure. all... In that area, to one degree or another, we would like to be able to hear God more clearly. Well, maybe He is speaking to us through these numbers sometimes. So, you know, uh, you know don't I, discount I think, that. I think God speaks to us in our own language, whatever that is. You know, God speaks to me through music, through movies, through just the things that are uh, that I'm passionate about. And you know, when I tell people when I travel around the world. One of the things that I've learned in witnessing the people is, is, first of all, people will care what you know when they know that you care. Um, so you've got to really take. You can't just go show up, knock on a door, and you know take your little evangel cubes out and your little may I ask you a question pamphlets out and expect people to turn their whole world around. You know, a twenty minute conversation. You've got to spend time with people. And so I would do that. I would go and spend time with people. And one of the things I would say, and, and not always go in for the clothes. I think one of the mistakes we make as Christians in, in witnessing is we're always trying to go in for the clothes. And that's not the case. Some people are planters, some people are waterers, and some people get to, to, to reap. Um, and just pray, God, where do you have me? Am I a planter? Am I a you know, waterer? Am I here to reap? And well, a lot of times I would just say to people, is, you know what? God wants to know you more than you want to know him. And if you're even remotely interested in a relationship with him, I challenge you with this prayer. God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. Amen. Because I know God's going to answer that. I don't need to go in for the clothes. If somebody goes home with that prayer, God is going to reveal himself to them. You know? Amen to that. And, and, and so and I pray that prayer myself. I say, God, and because I'm, I am you know, a physical being and God is a spirit, I say, God, reveal yourself to me in tangible ways, ways that, that I can really perceive. And when I start my day that way, I, I start looking for him. You know, uh, I'll give you one for instance that that, that when I was really broken uh, and I was like, God, you know, I was getting so close to him. And when you get into that closeness and that fellowship with him, he really does become a tangible presence. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of times we, we need a touch, you know, not just the kind of that presence, but we need a touch, a word, something. And uh, I was one morning, I was like, God, you know, I need to hear from you today. I, I mean, I really... I need to know that you love me because I don't feel it, you know. And uh, I ended up going to a dollar store to buy some uh, um, some shaving cream and, and razor blades. And I was in the yes. the aisle there buying some razor blades, and I'd walk by this bin. It was a wooden bin of stuffed animals. Animals. And this uh, little kid walked. I saw the kid go up to the to the bin of stuffed animals, and I was praying, God, I need to know that you love me. And this kid grabs one of these stuffed animals and squeezes it, and the thing starts singing. Jesus loves me. <laughs> and he kept doing it. The kid kept squeezing the thing, and I'm sitting there in the shaving cream aisle just bawling my eyes out, you know. And I got in the car, and it was on a secular station. It was Bon Jovi singing, I Will Always Love You. And then wow. I went to it. This is all like in a space of about a 15-minute period of time. I went from there to a Smoothie King place, and it's the song, God Loves You More Than the Stars and the Sky and the Sun and the Moon. and all. You know, but I was tuned in. You know what I mean? I, I had the radio station on. Tuned in, yes. You and know, I, I think God's speaking all the time, but we're not always tuned into the right station. Brother, how true that is. And there's several frequencies being transmitted. You've got God transmitting. You've got Satan. 
and you know sometimes even our own flesh. But you know, folks, uh, if we can tune into the right frequency, we can pick up God because yeah. He is speaking, and He'll use many things to catch our attention. But you know, two things I've just gleaned out of this was uh, God can use any means He wants to communicate with us to get our attention, even yeah. numbers. And uh, I will throw and out stuffed that, animals. Uh, <laughs> and stuffed animals. <laughs> uh, there is a book on biblical numerics. It's called Biblical Mathematics by Ed Velo. And he talks about, uh, you know, numbers and, you know, what they mean. And so, how interesting. Well, you know, the other thing I gleaned is God will give us the desires of our heart. And uh, there is power also in the spoken, you know, word and uh, basically declaring a thing. So you were asking God to send you a godly mate. Now, we've had several ladies tonight... Um, call in and say they're looking for the Lord to send them a godly husband. Yeah. And I know a couple men right now who have been bachelors, one of them his whole life and another one for 14 years. And uh, I'll tell you, it's interesting. Just before the show, I had a call from one friend, and he said, Brother, you're not going to believe it. He said, God put in my life a, uh, a lady. Uh, she's a Christian, and she believes in deliverance like I do, and she wants to actually help me and uh, do ministry. And, uh, you know, um, you prayed and God sent you a, a godly spouse. So he gave you one of the desires of your heart. And he can do that for you, ladies and gentlemen out there who are looking for a husband or a wife. Well, so uh, let's 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 move on down a little but, bit in let me, time. Let me just say, can I say one thing about that? Absolutely. First? Is um, what God had to show me, uh, and, and my wife too, I think she would agree with this, is that he wants for us to be married to him first. And he wants us to become whole people first. Yes. So many times we attract people into our lives that are just as bent as we are, just in the opposite direction. And there's a there's a word they use for that called codependency. <laughs> sure. And when you're, it, and that's basically means where you know there's a there's a book by um, Shel Silverstein called The Missing Piece Meets the Big O. I highly recommend everybody check it out. But it basically says there's like two people in the world: people who are like a wedge, it looks like a like a piece of a slice of pizza. And there yes. are what I what I call Pac-Man. He doesn't call it that in the book, but I call him Pac-Man because you get the visual of, of basically a piece of the ha- pizza that has a piece missing. And people are always looking for somebody else to like Jerry Maguire. You know, the movie says complete them, but that's not the right model. God wants to complete us. In other words, He wants if if people are doing that, then when one grows. They don't fit so well anymore, and there's tension, there's problems and stuff. You know, it's like if if you can rather imagine a whole person that doesn't need anybody to fit in them or doesn't look for somebody else to come to feel complete themselves, then if you've got two whole O's, then you basically got like two wheels, and God becomes the axle between. You know, and you roll well together with, with God as the focus. Because if if we have like the books say, his needs, her needs, and stuff like that, talk about five human needs that men have and five needs that women have, and they're different. Uh, the only one that understands all ten is God because He created them. But if God created man in His own image and He put ten human needs in Adam and then separated five out into Eve, well, just reading that passage, that that means God has those ten needs also. And so uh, basically what God had to show me in my singleness was how am I doing at meeting God's needs? When I'm crying out for my needs to be met, God's saying, hey, you know, I, I got them too. <laughs> you know? And as I started working on focusing on meeting God's needs and not thinking about mine all the time, God started the process of making me into a whole person on my own. And at the same time, my wife was doing the same thing. 
Amen. And then at the appropriate time, he brings two whole people. Now, we're not perfect, of course. We've got a lot. We're always a work in progress. But it's better to be a lumpy O, as I say, than a Pac-Man or a Wedge, you know. Amen to that. So focus on what I would say to all those people out there who are yearning for a mate. Work on that. Because God has that special person for you. But just like any father, is not just going to give any old guy to his daughter, you know. It, you know, he looks at his daughter and says, "This is my precious child. I'm not, you know, look, you guy, get your get your act together. Then I'll give you my daughter, and vice versa." And so Amen. I think when when you spend that time getting yourself right and whole with God, then God starts the process of working on somebody else that's right for you, and then at the appropriate time brings them together. And I can just say from experience, that's what happened to me, and I'm glad I, that I waited. Amen. And uh, you know, just start proclaiming uh, every day, ladies, uh, God. Is going to send me a, a godly husband, or, or guys, you know, God's going to send me a godly wife. Well, here, just, here's a prayer that I prayed. I said, Father, make me into the husband my future spouse needs me to be. Oh, I like that. Man, I wish I had prayed that prayer way back when I was 19. Um, well, but uh, but praise God. Anyway, and, you know, I say all that to say that in my previous marriage, you know, my, that person and I, we loved each other. Otherwise, we wouldn't have gotten married. You know, um, we spent seven years together. But what happened was she had a dream and I had a dream. We kind of supported each other in different directions. This time around, um, I, I truly have my soulmate. You know, she's she's in the other room working on the website for the for Seed the Series. We are totally, completely doing this together as one. And yeah. we're getting to uh, see the series, folks. I just want to lay some of the uh, the groundwork, and uh, I wanted to uh, reveal some gold nuggets that I uh, found out about Rob when we were talking about the other day that I thought could bless everybody. I mean, people love the, the human interest story. They love to know, you know, we're all real. Right. And that, uh, you know, everybody goes through similar struggles. It strengthens them. Uh, and by the way, I will say uh, the last on this, um, we had Denise Matthews, Vanity, mm-hmm. on the other night, and she is single, guys. <laughs> uh, but you know, if God has called you to be a eunuch, then praise God for it. But um, you know, but He can also send you a godly spouse. Well, so uh, you're married, and uh, you have this—you uh, had this dream to be a, a filmmaker. And um, shall we fast forward to you're on an airplane? Yeah, that that was in uh, 2002, right after my ex-wife, now my now ex-wife, left me. And I had an offer to work for a ministry in Ohio that was to do basically the exact same thing I did for the ministry that I got hired in 2004 uh, to do. Uh, but I was too messed up. It was like a, a month after all of my life fell apart um, and I had already made this appointment. So I was flying on a plane. And I said, God, man, you know, I'd love to do this job. This would be fantastic. But but I'm messed up. I can't think straight. I can't I can't function. And so I was totally broken on that plane, and I prayed. I said, Father, I don't care how you do it, but I want you to somehow, some way, use me to be instrumental in leading the last person to Christ before you come back. And that was my prayer. I just, you know, I don't know what that's what that looks like. I don't know if it's going to be a one, you know, the the number of the Gentiles. You know, there's there's a number, of whatever. There's a number of people where God says, Okay, that's it. I'm coming back. You know? That's right. And so I just want a piece of that. And, you know, whether I end up personally talking to that guy or whether I end up making a movie that inspires somebody to write a check to a missions organization and some, you know, missionary goes to a country. And there could be a million people in that chain of 
you know, it's kind of like the best network marketing deal <laughs> going, you know. There could be a million people in the upline or downline, but I want to be in it. And so, um, you know, that's one of those prayers I know God's going to answer too because that's his heart. You know, when you pray in accordance with his heart, you're pretty much sure your your, your prayer is going to get answered. And, now, you and, were on this uh, fateful day uh, riding on an airplane, right? That and, was a point, um, yep. And uh, what happens? Uh, you get seated and... Your seat changed. Didn't oh it? no, that that you're talking about a different plane. Let's that that was 2002. Let's flash forward to uh, this year. Um, and just as a preview before that, I had gone to uh, one of the last trips that I went on was to Cyprus. And um, oh, cool, off the coast it, of Israel. Yeah, uh, kind of in between. Yeah, Greece and in Israel there in the Mediterranean. And I had. Um, uh, part of that trip, I was able to go to to Greece, and it was actually my second time going there. And spent uh, I spent a lot of time in Athens, and it, it something that really was something that I was really impressed by is that you can't re- look anywhere without seeing some remnant of the ancient Greek mythological uh, world. You you see you know temple ruins, you see you know satyrs and minotaurs and you know centaurs. There are all these animal human hybrids and stuff everywhere you look. You know, statues or paintings or whatever, and I, I thought to myself, you know, thinking of Star Wars, nobody's going to remember Yoda 4,000 years from now. So why do these people have in their collective consciousness so so prevalent these these so-called mythological creatures if all it was was a product of a story written by a blind poet named Homer? You know, I, it didn't make sense to me. That, that I, I came back from that trip, and I said to my wife, I said, you know, I really... I think all those animal-human hybrids and mythological creatures and gods and all that. I think that we learned about in school. Yeah, the Greek mythology and the Roman yeah. myth myths. My my son's sixteen. He's in high school, and, and every high school teaches the Greek gods. They don't teach the God of the Bible, but they teach the Greek uh, mythology. Make them take tests on it. Make them learn it. And so when I came back, I told her this this idea that I had that these things were real. And we talked about it, went to bed. The next morning, she wakes up, checks her email, and there was an article uh, in the news that had a picture of a sheep, and it said, scientists have successfully cloned a sheep with a human heart. And the article went on to say, if they keep doing this, the obvious implication is that the genes will fuse together into an animal-human hybrid, and then we're going to have all kinds of ethical issues to deal with. That's right, the chimera, as they call them. Chimera. How many of you saw the recent movie Splice? Disturbing movie. Now we're going to be talking about uh, some really cool topics that I like. Now, I want to just lay the groundwork again for people just joining. You're listening to Omega Man Radio. We've got Rob Skiba on the line. Now, Rob, go ahead and give out your website, please. Oh, it's seedtheseries.com. Okay, seedtheseries.com. We're going to be talking about the seed. I wanted to lay the groundwork, though, uh, because Rob has had such an interesting life, and there were several gold nuggets there that uh, I think uh, everybody will appreciate that we covered. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had this dream, Rob, that you wanted to become a cinematographer, you wanted to make films, yeah. and um, God sent you on a couple uh, trips around the world. Now, you found yourself in Cyprus. You also visited uh, Israel, didn't you? I did. Uh, the same year that I went to Greece for the first time, both in 2005, uh, the Greece trip was the missionary journey of Paul on a sailing ship. So I took the same path that, that Paul took on a sailing ship. And a couple months later, I uh, was privileged to go to Israel. And one of the locations that profoundly impacted me was Caesarea Philippi. And that's going to dovetail right into this Genesis 6 discussion. 
Caesarea Philippi is where Jesus brings his disciples at the end of his ministry, and he asks the question, who do you say that I am? You know, he's, first he says, who do men say that I am? And they say, oh, some say Jeremiah, some say, you know, prophets, whatever. Uh, and then he says, well, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus gets really excited about that statement, if you read that passage, and, and I could never understand that. I was like, why does Jesus get so excited about Peter's answer? Because, I mean, he goes, you know, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom, and the gates of Hades is not going to prevail against this, and upon this rock I'm going to build my church. And he gets so excited. And I was like, man, at the beginning of his, actually, you go all the way back to his birth, everybody told him he was the son of God. Uh, when he flash forward to the beginning of his ministry, he picks Nathaniel to be a disciple, and Nathaniel says that he was a son of God, and he says, why? Because I saw you under the fig tree? You're going to see greater things than that. Every time a demon-possessed person saw him, they would throw themselves on the ground and shriek, you are the son of God. And Jesus would, tell him, to be, he would tell him to be quiet. So Amen. people told him he was a son of God his whole life. So why does Jesus get so excited about it when Peter says it? And I could never understand that till I stood in the spot where he asked the question. And that what did was you see over there? In Caesarea Philippi, there was a place called the Altar of Pan. And it was kind of like uh, Petra, you know, the, the city in the rock. Yeah. It, it was similar to that. You know, it was kind of a, a, a like a shrine kind of thing built into the rock to wow. the Greek god Pan. Now, the Greek god Pan was the god of shepherds. So it's kind of interesting that the good shepherd stood in front of the Greek god of shepherds and asked this question. The guy but that I, would blow the flute, and it was kind of a half... Yeah, a satyr. Uh, a satyr. Half man, half... Um, goat. Goat. Really? Yep, yep. half man, half goat. And Blowing if the you pan study flute. anything to do with the uh, secret societies, you know the significance of the goat and, and Satanism. Interesting. Now, when you were there at that site, uh, was there an actual temple that you could walk into, built into the rock? Uh, no, uh, you could see the indentations in the rock and, and things like that. Some of it was kind of uh, cordoned off. You couldn't get into it. Um, you could see the remains of things everywhere. But there were some things that we didn't see while we were there. I think God was just kind of priming me um, with a greater understanding, first of all, of the Scripture, because that's the significance of, of it. But I didn't realize just how significant it was until just recently, as I started doing the uh, this project for Seed. And and that is that how many of the angels fell with Lucifer? Uh, One-third. One-third, one right? What's one-third of a hundred? One-third of 100 is uh, 33.3. That's right, 33.33333, right? Yeah. Well, let's just take uh, 33.33. Uh, I always wondered, why is it that Jesus waited until he was 30 years old to do anything with his life that we're really aware of, and then he died at 33 after a three-year ministry and was dead for three days? you got this 333 thing kind of just repeating here. Well... Mount Hermon, which is where the altar of Pan is at the base of Mount Hermon, that's where Jesus asked the question, at the top of Mount Hermon, which I believe is the mountain of transfiguration, because it's the highest mountain in the region by far, and it says six days after that discussion, Jesus took his disciples to the top of a high mountain. Okay. Well, it makes the most sense that that would be it, because it is definitely the highest mountain in the region, and uh, they were there anyway. So... Um, but even more so, if you realize that that Mount Hermon, according to the extra-biblical books of, of Joshua and Enoch and there are other books that talk about this, say that that was where the fallen angels came in Genesis chapter 6. Really? And it, it says that um, Enoch records 200, says 200 of the fallen angels, 200 of the one-third, participated in what I call the Genesis 6 experiment. 
they came down and landed on Mount Hermon. Now, the significance of that location is that it is 33.33, there's that number again, degrees north by 33.33 degrees east from the Paris Prime Meridian, which used to be the, the true Prime Meridian before they changed it to Greenwich. So they landed on the only geographical location on the entire planet that fits their number, 33.33. And that's where Jesus took his disciples to the top of and had the, the, uh, the Mountain of Transfiguration experience. Well, what's interesting about that is because one of the things he said to Peter was that the gates of Hades would not prevail. Well, Hades is not just a place. Hades is the brother of Zeus. Hades okay. is an individual. There you go back to the, the mythology again, the Greek. You're gonna go, I'm, I'm going to tie it all in for you. Roman. Okay. Uh, when you're standing there looking at the, if you're standing looking at the altar of Pan, there's, there's two very significant things, one on the left and one on the right. If you're looking at the altar of Pan, off to your left is an area that even today is still called the Gates of Hades. It, it's, and we didn't see this when we went there in 2005, but you can go on Google Earth and just we know what around that the, area. The Gates of Hell in the King James, but it's actually called Hades? Yeah, it is Hades. Gates of Hades? Okay. Yeah, that's right. It is Hades. Again, it's, it's you know the problem with the English language. Okay, um, so you've got basically, you found the actual location of the gates of Hades. That Jesus Christ said the gates of Hades will not prevail. And that place is, if you could go, you go on Google Earth, you can poke around and find it for yourself. It's there. Wow. Um, and they got pictures uh, you can click on on Google Earth that people have taken when they were there. Now, I didn't see it when I was there in 2005, but I've seen it through the Internet and Google Earth and stuff. Um, now, that's to the left. Off to the right, there's a foothill at the base of Mount Hermon. And at the top of the foothill is the fortress of Nimrod, who was the really? first Antichrist who tried to create a one-world system without God. Oh, my goodness. And, and according to the book of Joshua and several other books, uh, his goal was to kill God <laughs> with the Tower of Babel. That was, that was his ambition, uh, was to kill God. So here, it, you know, the first prophecy of the Bible is where God tells the devil wow. in Genesis, I think, uh, chapter 3, if I remember right, he says that the seed of Eve is going to crush his head. So the devil says, okay, then I'm going to mess up her seed. And three chapters later, the Genesis 6 experiment takes place. Okay, and the reason and, uh, for that was to destroy the seed. Okay, folks, Genesis 6, one of my favorite subjects, you know, where the sons of God, the fallen angels, came down and mated with the daughters of men. Took of them any that they thought were fair. They mated. That's right. And what do we got? We got the men of renown, the giants. Am I correct on that? Yes, absolutely. And when it says men of renown, I am fully convinced that that's talking about the Zeuses of the world, the uh, Hades and Poseidon and Apollo and all those guys. Folks, these guys actually roam the earth, okay? And, yep. uh, you know, you had uh, King Og, who was like 18 foot long, if I'm correct. Yeah, uh, that's right. You know, you had them before and after the flood, so... You know, a lot of people say, well, you get up to Noah and it says he was perfect in his generations. It's not talking about he was just a good person and, you know, he didn't make any mistakes, was it? No, it's not just that because it, we say King perfect. James says, he says that he was found upright and just and righteous in his generation. Okay. Well, upright and just, yeah, he was a good guy. But, but in the Hebrew, where it's talking about righteous in his generation, it's saying pure in his genetics. That's right. And when you're looking at these, if you, if you look at it from God's perspective, he looked down on the earth and says the whole world was corrupted. Yes. Now, what's really interesting about that is, you know, they say that the average reproductive rate today is 2.5 children per couple. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know what 0.5 of a child looks like, but they, they, that's the statistics right now for population growth. 
And so and that's considering a person that lives roughly to about 80 years of age. People in the Bible, pre-flood, were living almost 1,000 years of age. Yep, so if you take the same, 969. Go ahead. That's right. If you take the same reproductive st- statistics and multiply it out at, let's say, just two children uh, per couple per 80 years, you they, the number comes out pretty astounding. If I remember, I was about 7 billion people, which is more than the population of the Earth today. How many uh, how many children would that mean that uh, maybe one lady would have? That's what I'm trying to you know I don't I'm not a mathematician. <laughs> Ladies, how would you like to have like 500 children? Yeah, Praise three, God that uh, you don't live to be 969. That's it may right. have been 5,000. I just don't know. However God many have mercy. mathematicians out there can take the, the figure 80 years they have two children just figure it out. But you know that's a lot of people and they well, were so, all corrupted, all except for Noah and his wife. Now, by extension, if Noah and his wife were pure, then obviously his sons were pure. So how, okay, do, they, so how do they show up after the flood? Basically, well, what was going wives. on, Rob, was uh, the the fallen angels were trying to wipe out the seed. That's right. Okay, so there would be no Jesus Christ to be sent That's as right. a redeemer if they could get in there and, and genetically mate with all the, the, the women and just corrupt them and have all these mutations, these mighty men, these uh, giants that uh, folks were so evil and wicked, they became cannibalistic. They would eat everything in sight, and they started, we believe, to mate with not only uh, women but animals, too, and create That's these right. half-animal, half-giant, the chimera. Yeah, in fact, the the book of Joshua, you don't have to get far into the book. Um, it, it says that one of the things the fallen angels taught men to do was the art of mixing one species with another. Uh-oh. So it tells you right there that that's and see Jesus said and the reason I, I'm doing seed in the first place is based on the scripture where Jesus said as it was in the days of Noah, so is it going to be at the coming of the Son of Man. Oh well, God, have mercy. Yes. Now, if you look at what was going on in the days of Noah, you know in Sunday school they just say ah, people were bad and God wiped out the world because of sin. Well, that's only partially true. God wiped out the world. If, according to Genesis 6, it, it starts off, the same chapter God announces the flood, he's going to destroy the world, starts off with the sons of God, the angels, coming down and mating with the daughters of men and creating what the Bible calls Nephilim, which were angel-human hybrids. These were creatures that were never meant to exist. That's right. They're an abomination. And Some now of them had uh, six fingers, six toes, double rows of teeth, of my teeth. friend. Yeah, that's right. How, how tall were some of these uh I've heard Quell talk that maybe some of them are like 38, 40 foot tall. That's right. Yep, that's true. God, have mercy. Could you imagine? That, that's just, it's, it's mind-boggling. But here's the proof of it. If you look in Scripture, and um, I just said no one and his wife were pure, so his sons had to be pure. But it doesn't mean his sons' wives had to be. Uh-oh, if they were part really? of the 7 billion people that were corrupted, it's conceivable that at least one of them probably had some sort of Nephilim genetics in her. Interesting. And, and I believe Scripture testifies to the fact that it was Ham's wife. Really? And, Why so? Well, there's a weird story in Genesis where after the flood, Noah gets drunk, and uh, Ham finds his father naked, and there's whatever speculation, whatever took place there. But instead of Noah getting mad at his son, because that's what the narrative says, his son found him in that state, Noah doesn't curse Ham, Noah curses his grandson, Canaan. Now, what's interesting to me about that is that Canaan had to have been present for him to do that, which means Canaan was either born on the ark or shortly thereafter, because he was there for him to be cursed. Right? Really? Now, my, this is my own working hypothesis, my hypothesis, my own theory, 
is that Canaan had six fingers and six toes. And the reason for that is because we'll follow the lineage in a minute and show you that that's where people like Og of Bashan and Goliath come from, the lineage Wait a minute. of Canaan. Does it actually say that he had six fingers and six toes? It's not Og, but it says that the uh, the whole land was full of giants, and of the giants that were in that land, later you find out Goliath and his brothers did. Okay, yes, yes. Now, 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 he, but now his, um, Goliath, I don't think, was a descendant of Cain, Canaan. I believe he was a descendant of another character named Kaftor, which we'll get to in a second, too. Kaftor, okay. Um, but... Uh, Steve Quayle and others make reference to other giants that have been found, remains of giants, that, and that is a characteristic: double rows of teeth, you know, multiple extra digits and whatnot, six digits, six uh, six fingers, six toes. And so, my my personal theory, uh, I haven't found anything that actually says this, but my personal theory is that when, when Noah looked down at his grandson and saw six fingers and six toes, he said, "Oh boy, here we go again." <laughs> and uh, that may have been why he, he, he cursed them, but that's just my theory. But if you look at the lineage of... Uh, you there? Hello? Absolutely. In fact, uh, while you were speaking, I saw a black spider grow across the, the floor. I had to kill it. Oh, I thought I lost I'll you there. I'll mind that in a, Jesus' name. I heard, I heard, a, <laughs> heard a beep. Um, uh, keep on, my friend. So... Uh, if you look at the lineage of Ham, it says he had four sons. He had um, Cush, who begat Nimrod, which is, that's a whole show just discussing that right there. Yes. Uh, Nimrod's an incredibly interesting figure. Um, and then the other three were Mizraim, which is Egypt, Put, which is Libya, and Canaan, which became what we call the Holy Land or Israel. Uh, and that's based on where they settled. Now, Canaan uh, settled the land of what we call Israel today. As we know, when the Jews came out of captivity from uh, in, in the Exodus from Egypt, and they crossed into the Holy Land, they sent spies in. Uh, they said, man, this place is, we're like grasshoppers. This place is full of giants. The, the whole land consumes itself, you know. And uh, later when they went to war with these giants, you know, Joshua and Caleb and all that, they, they talk and they brag about, look at Og. You know, we got the, his bed. It's like 18 feet tall. And Scripture yes. says in the book of Joshua that, that Joshua and his boys, they, they wiped out all the giants in the land except for those who were down in what we would call the Gaza Strip or Gath. And that's where the Philistines were that David would later take on, um, uh, the one of most fame being Goliath. Now, Goliath um, and the Philistines is really interesting because if you go back to the other son of Ham, there was Mizraim, one of his sons was Kaftor. And Kaftor became the father of the Philistines, according to the book of uh, Jeremiah, I believe, 47 and Amos 9 talks about this. Yeah. And it also said that Kaftor settled the land of Crete. Now, Crete is significant because all of Greek mythology originated in Crete. And so when you realize that, okay, he's the father of the Philistines, and we know at least some of the Philistines were giants, Goliath being the most notable, and they descended from Kaftor, who settled Crete, then it stands to reason that that's where all of Greek mythology, and that's where your Zeus's and your Hades and your Poseidons came from. Oh, wow. Through Kaftor. Because the other thing that's interesting about Crete, uh, it's a tiny little island uh, south of Greece, and when you consider what we call Europe today, uh, just about all of Europe had to pay tribute to this tiny little island where they would have to send their choice virgin, both male and female uh, children, to the Isle of Crete and offer as sacrifice to the Minotaur in the labyrinth. Now, I, I heard that uh, recently, in the last couple of years, they actually uncovered that labyrinth, right? 
Uh, I have read something about that, too. I'm not sure if that's the actual one, but they, there was a History Channel special on it. In fact, I've heard Discovery that they Channel, I which. uncovered that along with the tomb, apparently, of Gilgamesh. Now, that's another story. That that was uh, April 2003 in Iraq, and that's really very interesting. Um, I don't know if you've studied or talked to anybody like uh, Peter Goodgame or no. read Tom Horn's book, um, Apollyon Rising 2012. I've heard about that. I heard it's a really good book. Oh, boy, it's really an incredible book, because Nimrod, is, like I mentioned earlier, uh, he's a fascinating character. It says that Nimrod began to become a mighty one in the earth, what King James says. Now, the word began is the word, I believe it's chalal in Hebrew, which means uh, through defiling or profaning oneself sexually. Really? So he became, and it says he became a mighty one in the earth. like a gigolo? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know what it means, but the, the next part of that phrase is that he became a mighty one in the earth. Well, the word mighty one, translated in English, is gabor. It's a derivative of gaborum, which is the same word used for giant when re- with respect to Goliath. Okay. So you could read it as through self-profaning, profaning oneself sexually, somehow Nimrod began to become a giant, which uh, a gaborum is the offspring of the Nephilim. So my feeling on that is that somehow he managed to awaken through genetic alteration, through a retrovirus, through something. There's any number of speculation on how it happened, but he began to become a giant. Now, what happens at the Tower of Babel is really interesting because that's where the languages were split. That's right. And uh, I also believe that that's when the continents were split. Uh, that's a that's a whole other story too. But that's because uh, the Tower of Babel was uh, happened at the same time as two individuals were born to Eber, from which we get the word Hebrew. Uh, he had uh, Joktan and uh, Peleg. Peleg Jok- in the days of Peleg. That's right. Joktan means to be made small from something big, and and I often say instead of Peleg, I say Peleg, <laughs> because yeah. it says that. Uh, his name means violent separation by earthquake and water. So, I mean, you don't you don't name a kid violent separation by earthquake and water unless you know somebody peed their leg. You know. <laughs> well, you know, it's pretty uh, apparent when you take the uh, the continents, you can fit them back together. We were once a landmass. They they called it, I guess, Pangaea, maybe. Pangaea, that's right. And but, that separation uh, happened contemporary to the Tower of Babel. Wow. So I believe that because if you trace the lineages, both happen about both the Tower of Babel and the birth of Joktan and Peleg happened about a hundred years after the flood. So um, I believe God did a thorough job of separating not just the languages, but the people groups that went with those languages to different continents. Um, well, Amen. Uh, some of them were apparently sitting over, got split, and sitting over here in North America. You know, oh, yeah. uh, people think uh, you know Columbus was the first guy. No, he got here very late, people. Oh yeah. Uh, there, there were many other people that hit America long before him. That's why I don't like Columbus Day. I say, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. got the wrong guy. You're celebrating. Well, uh, so back to uh, the issue of Nimrod. Um, well, now Nimrod. Were... See, after the Tower of Babel, here, here's this great thing that everybody was trying to do. They, they had. He was trying to create a one-world system against God. You okay. call it a new world order. I mean, that's not even new. You know what we what we say today. Um, and basically was trying to set himself up as God. And so when this whole thing fell apart and God confounded the languages and split people up, they all went their separate ways. They were still alive. They went their separate ways talking about the same guy and the same story. They just called him by different names. And Nimrod, which is not a name, it's a title, means the rebellious one. 
went by other names such as Osiris to the Egyptians, uh, Gilgamesh, uh, Marcot. I mean, there's just a lot of different names in mythology uh, in, and in ancient literature that refer to the same exact guy, that being Nimrod. Amazing. And, and, and uh, Gilgamesh is one of them. And so when they found his so-called tomb in April of 2003, this is really fascinating to me because we went to war in Iraq under pretense of finding weapons of mass destruction. Of course, we later right. found out that that was a lie, that there weren't. Yep. But I, right. think there, I think there was. I think they didn't find weapons of mass destruction. I, found, I think they found the weapon of mass destruction. Uh-oh. If Peter Goodgame and Tom Horn and others are correct in their thesis on who Nimrod was and will be uh, in the coming days, because we found the to- the archaeologists found the tomb of Gilgamesh in April of 2003. In May, the U.S. military went in, kicked the archaeologists out, built the largest embassy on the planet, ten times larger than any others, in Babylon, and and then moved in military bases, and all our troops have been there ever since. Oh, interesting. You know, I heard Dr. Pat Holliday tell me uh, that they had a huge base over there. It's uh, it's basically an embassy. Oh well, they have both. They have a military base and an embassy. They've got one that's, I mean, it, what's the size of it? I mean, it's, it's humongous, right? The, the embassy is ten times larger than any others. I forget what the actual dimensions were. I just remember hearing that. Wow. They, uh, don't, do they, don't they name it after Bush? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I, that I don't know. You know, so uh, amazing. So uh, it it all goes back over there to, uh, to Iraq and... Um, there's a triangle. There's a graphic on my website. If you go to seetheseries.com, and there's two links that are right there on the front page. It's one that says so, and the other says see. If you click on the one that says see, there's a an image that I've created, and there's a very interesting triangle that goes from from the Giza Plateau to uh, a place in Israel that I, I'm not going to mention because it's part of the plot of the story. Um, and also goes off to uh, Babylon. you got this really interesting triangle and some very interesting um, geometric angles in that graphic. That See, see my, my goal for seed is to, if we're going to reach the world, especially here in America, the, the, uh, the Nielsen's have put out a report that says the average American spends four to five hours a day watching television. Well, that's an awful lot of time if you add it up. Uh, sure if you is. Imagine, if you imagine, okay, the same the same people that are spending five hours a day watching TV going to church for an hour and a half. Well, they're not, but if you imagine they were, you know, it's something like 74 hours a year or whatever versus something like 14 or 1,500 hours of television. You know, it's like you weigh 70 hours of the Word of God, theoretically, if they're going to church that's preaching the Word of God for an hour and a half versus almost, you know, 1,500, 2,000 hours of Desperate Housewives or whatever people are watching. And we, wonder why we're losing, we, you know, we wonder why we're losing our culture. And and my whole thing is, look, I, I, I've got stacks of books by Tom Horn, Steve Quell, Patrick Heron, you know, Russ Dizdar, all these guys, L.A. Marzulli, that are out there trying to tell people uh, about the Nephilim, because I believe it's so important to be discussing this, because Jesus himself discussed it. When he said that as it was in the days of Noah, so is it going to be when he comes back, well, y- you don't have to be a theologian to look at what's going on in the world today and, and not think, wow, you know, I think we're in the last days. Well, <laughs> so you began to uncover something, and that was that, uh, you know, through a series of circumstances, you're over in Cyprus, and you find yourself over in 
Caesarea, at the actual uh, gates of Hades that the Bible That's talks right. about, that Christ right. talked about, and uh, you begin to get this revelation that um, what the Bible really meant, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and giving a marriage, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. And, right. um, and what we you begin to find out is uh, the reason God destroyed uh, mankind with a flood is because of the fallen angels in Genesis 6 were coming down, mating with women, creating these gigantic offspring, which were so wicked that they were eating everything in sight. They were mating with man and animal. And uh, Satan was trying to destroy the seed so that Jesus Christ could never come and we would have redemption. So yeah, God trying to do it again. And uh, wipes them on except for eight. Well, we, we know that the uh, there were giants again after the flood. And um, you talk about um, what they were doing. They were basically uh, doing genetic um, interbreeding and research way back then. Well, are they not doing that again now? What have you seen right now that they're able to do in the laboratory? Well, man, well, just like the, the you know, the movie Splice, it was a very disturbing movie, uh, not just because of the visuals yeah, it that, it, that were on the screen, but because it's really happening. You know, that kind of stuff that was depicted in that movie is really happening. Um, Folks, if, they are. If you, if you haven't seen that movie that he's talking about, Splice, you can get it at Redbox. But I, I caution you, I came out of that late night, Rob, and uh, me and this other guy, I didn't even know, we just we looked at each other, we came out and I looked at him and looked at me and I was disturbed. Oh, And I said, brother, if you want to know what Genesis 6 was, we just saw it. That's right. Uh, and they're actually trying to do that again, aren't they? They are, and they're not shy about it either. Uh, Tom Horn's new book, uh, Forbidden Gates, uh, is all about this stuff, that we are we are opening up gateways, you know, because all these things that I heard you in your previous show just talking about how we open portals to, for the enemy to, to get in, and there are a lot of ways to do that, uh, including genetic. I mean, they uh, because, are taking rats and what? spliced uh, human ears on their back? I saw that. Uh, yeah, that's old news. Um, the more recent news is rats or mice with human brains. Uh, wow. And of course Pigs talk with about human blood? That's right. Sheep with human hearts. God um, I believe if that's what the, the mainstream media is telling us, uh, you know there's a whole lot of other things that they're not talking about uh, behind the it's scenes. It's got to be advanced, brother. I mean, you know, even with the stealth bomber back in 85, I think that's when we saw it, 86. Uh, they say by the time we saw that, they were already 20 years more advanced than that. Oh, I mean, sure. if they're doing that with military aircraft, and what you see in the public domain, we're already maybe 20 to 40 years ahead of that. What have they been able to do with gene research unrestricted in these underground um, research facilities they've got a, a, across the globe? They've got to have some horrible things underground. Oh, yeah. Uh, underground, cages. like Steve Quayle says, is it's not what's above the ground that you should be worried about. It's what's underground. God have uh, mercy. So uh, they're going to try it again. And um, this became the basis of a, a movie uh, series you wanted to make called The Seat. Well, yeah, because here's the, here's the problem. Uh, you know, we know about this stuff because we're into it. You know, we're, we're aware of the Tom Horns and the Steve Quails and, you know, Russ Dizars and people that are out there talking about this stuff. But I talk to just about anybody I know, and they look at me like, what are you talking about? You know? Um, the church is not talking about any of this stuff. And, oh, no. And, and when people, you know, uh, like Tom Horn and some of these other, L.A. Marzulli and stuff, want to talk about satanic ritual abuse, SRA, DID, you know, Nephilim activity and demonic and all that stuff, the church kicks them out. 
you know, and and one of them was talking about how they were at a church with like 2,000 people uh, that actively promoted that, that he was going to have a seminar and talk about this stuff, and 45 people showed up. Brother, we've, you know? got, we've got people calling in and writing in that are literally being attacked by incubus and succubus demons. Oh, I believe uh, it. I've been attacked by one before. Thank God I rebuked it in the name of Jesus. But the point is, is folks, these things are real that we're talking about tonight. Uh, and they were actually able to uh, mate with women back then. Who's to say they couldn't do it now? I know that some are chained in uh, Tartarus, I guess, yes. waiting uh, final judgment. I think it talks about it in Jude, but yes. clear, clearly uh, it happened again after the flood. And, uh, you know, people are all talking about, you know, they're being, uh, they're being attacked at night. They're losing time. They're seeing these... Uh, UFOs, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of sightings. People are talking about uh, there'll be the return of the UFOs, uh, full disclosure. Yeah. Um, the reason the truth needs to be put out there is because the lies when these everywhere. things actually emerge, they're going to try to trick mankind. That's exactly right. And Jesus talks about a, a great deception that even the elect will be deceived by or could be deceived by. And when I look at, you know, you're right, there are UFO sightings happening daily. And, I mean, it's ridiculous how much is happening now. And and everybody's primed and ready for it. I mean, they got these all these TV shows, you got the event, the, the new one's out, you got V, you've got all v. these movies, oh. you know, Independence Day, yeah. you see, uh, District 9, you've got this new one, Skyline, coming out. Oh, the that History just came Channel, out this weekend, yes. Let me just tell you, I had a, a good friend of mine who's a strong believer, who's actually been through Bible college and uh, was starting his own ministry and stuff, and he called me after watching, I think it's a 10-part uh, series, I've seen most of them on the History Channel, called the Ancient Aliens series. Really? And what it does is the Ancient Aliens series talks about the Anunnaki, it talks about all the stuff from the ancient Sumerian, Sumerian records, talks about the Nazca lines in Peru, talks about the idea of a, a planet that comes and visits our solar system, you know, Nibiru. Uh, and it, it talks about all these things that basically leads the viewer to believe that we were essentially, here's the word, seeded yeah, by aliens. <laughs> right? That we were that we're the product of aliens, alien seeding. And, you know, you've got the History Channel putting out all these things. You've got all these TV shows that people are watching four to five hours a day. You've got all these movies, and the church is silent, not talking about it at all. And and the world's not going to the church anyway. So my feeling is is that, okay, Jesus said this message of the kingdom must be preached in all the world, and then the end shall come. Well, uh, if this message of the kingdom, if people aren't going into the church to hear it, which I don't think is where they need to be hearing it. I think the the, the body of Christ needs to be out there in the world telling people. That's right. Because uh, that's where the world is. The world's not in church. The world's out in the world. So uh, I started looking at that just here in America. I went across the street to the Cinemark Theater, which is near my house, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday, and the parking lot was full. Well, I went across the street. Uh, there was Prestonwood Baptist Church, one of the largest, most influential oh, yeah. churches in the Metroplex. That's a 23,000-member church. The parking lot was empty. Now. Wow. Granted, it's probably full on Wednesday nights, it's probably full maybe Saturdays and, of course, Sundays. But the point I'm making is that Cinemark is full all day, every day, seven days a week. So my question is, where's the world? Well, the world's obviously sitting at home watching TV, watching Lost. Absolutely. I think we need a show called Found. You know, I mean, people are watching TV for five hours, and they're filling the the parking lots of theaters. So I'm saying that, well, we need to have something that we can take to the people who are watching four or five hours of TV and who are sitting in the movie theaters. And that's where God basically revealed to me uh, through a, a lot of uh, confirmation 
that to wrap it up in a fictional format. And and what I keep saying or keep hearing is that we have to get as good at telling the truth as the devil is at telling lies. And if you think about how the devil lies, he doesn't come right up on the movie screen and say, you know, looking hideous and terrible and breathing fire and saying, I am the Lord of darkness and hear me, I am actively deceiving you right now. He doesn't do that. He does things very subtly, subliminally even, you know, and repetitive over time until you've been thoroughly programmed into whatever agenda he wants to put forth. That's right. And and so my my contention is that people don't go to the movies and they don't watch TV, uh, episodic TV, to be preached to. They go to be entertained. Oh yeah. And that's where I think Christian filmmakers are missing missing it. They are so busy trying to, you know, it's usually some guy that has a really bad southern accent, and they put some character in the show saying, the Bible says, the Bible says. You know, Paul says that the carnal mind cannot discern the things of the spirit because they're spiritually discerned. So why are we out there making Christian movies and things that the world doesn't go see, first of all? They say, oh, they got a Christian movie. Isn't that nice? They have their own movie. They don't go see it. If, the, if by chance you happen to drag them into the theater, they're going to be so turned off or clueless when they start getting inundated with the Bible says, the Bible says. I, I believe that the better way to do it is what Jesus did. Jesus didn't walk around with scrolls under his arm saying, Obadiah says, Nahum says, you know. He taught culturally relevant stories called parables that illustrated kingdom principles. He taught about fishing. He taught about farming. He taught in ways that the people could relate about things that they cared about. So I'm thinking, well... If they're already being inundated with the lie of the aliens and all these things, what better way to talk about the truth than to wrap it up in a science fiction framework that would be laced with seeds of truth that if I do my job right in creating this series and creating these storylines, people will follow these seeds or breadcrumbs that I'm going to leave for them. And they're going to lead them to people like yourself. They're going to lead them to Russ Dizdar, Tom Horn, Steve Quayle. Because I'm going to put those seeds specifically in there to lead them in that direction, and that's where they're going to find truth. But they're going to go into it being entertained. And, now, and I'm going to give them an this... allegory like C.S. Lewis did with uh, Narnia. You know, it's a fantastic example of, of what I'm trying to do. You can't watch Narnia, a big-budget, amazing movie based on a great, incredible book that obviously illustrates the, the gospel, but in a way, in an allegory, a parable, that people can receive it who are not spiritually minded. You had this uh, whole idea of the Seed series coming together, and you found yourself on a plane one day. Yeah, that was uh, January of this year. I had already written about half of episode one, and I'd written a scene where my character ends up, it's very lost-ish, if you're familiar with the show, it's very oh, yeah. mysterious, weird stuff happens, you know. Uh, but the way I could kind of sum up what, what Seed is, is it's uh, Lost meets Battlestar Galactica wrapped up in an X-File. Now, that's the <laughs> that one I be... enjoyed was Battlestar Galactica. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. And But none of these were really written from a biblical worldview. That's right. But so, so what I want to do is take the mystery and intrigue that made a show like Lost so successful, mix it with the science fiction and political commentary that made Battlestar Galactica so good, and 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 the alien agenda and conspiracy themes of of the X file, but write these, and, and I say it from a biblical worldview, but it's not going to be overtly Christian by any means. It's going to be laced with truth, and and because it's a venue people go to be entertained, they don't go to be preached to. So Without a doubt, you're not going to be hearing people going, "The Bible says, the Bible says," but you're going to see some pretty intriguing and interesting things that, as people get into the series, one thing about science fiction, two things. 
first of all, people go into science fiction already with a suspension of disbelief. So right. once they've suspended their disbelief, well, they're open to believe whatever I want to show them. You know? That's the truth. So that's a good thing. And the second thing is a lot of people who are sci-fi fans become rabid sci-fi fans. They create their own fan base websites. They have conventions. They do all kinds of things where they dive into the storyline and start blogs and start writing and talking and, and trying to figure stuff out. And that's what I want. I want to create things that people start talking about, blogging about, asking questions about, debating about, arguing about. Even I think it's healthy. And so, and if you get the, of, if they're going to be, be watching TV and you get them the word, uh, well, then you can you can reach them. Um, right. So you're on an airplane. So, yeah. So I'm on a plane, and I had already written about half the story. And I was trying to figure out, God, you've given me this story, you've given me this idea, I know that your hand is in this, but my wife was out of work since uh, last July, and so our income had already been cut in half, and and I'm thinking, God, I feel like you're calling me out of my full-time job, but but how are we going to live? I mean, we've got no money if, we do, if I do that. And so uh, I had five absolutely amazing days in the desert, I don't really have time to go into it, it looks like, but uh, they were very Abraham Moses type of days where God just did amazing things, uh, very tangible, visual things out there. And then I got on a plane, and it was a two-leg flight from Tucson to Utah, Utah to Dallas. And on the Utah to Dallas flight, it's about two hours, uh, I got on, I said, God, you know, I'm not complaining. We had an amazing trip. You, you did amazing things, and I, and I appreciate it, and I thank you for it, and I praise you for it. But are you releasing me? to quit my job and go, like, you know, leave Ur of the Chaldees and go to a land that I'll show you, you know. Uh, are you releasing me? And I, and I sat down in my chair, and I ended up sitting next to this woman whose daughter was assigned to sit behind us, and I could tell they weren't comfortable with that arrangement, so I offered to switch seats so they could be together. As a result, I ended up sitting next to this other woman that I was not assigned to sit next to, and I was tired, so I took a nap for about a half hour. Well, the stewardess came by with a beverage cart and uh, woke me up, and I look over, and the woman that I was now sitting next to uh, had uh, been reading a book, and she turned the page to page 72, which is a very significant number for a lot of reasons. One, in terms of seed, God gave me 72 episodes uh, for the series that I have outlined Amazing. already. Uh, so he, he, she turns the page to page 72, and I read the first sentence of the first paragraph of that page, which said, God is just waiting for you to take a step of faith to go after the dreams and desires that he's placed in your heart. And, wow, uh, I just I just started laughing and crying, you know, because that was I was just praying, God, are you releasing me, you know? And he he showed me that, and so the woman says, what, "What's so funny, you know?" And I explained to her what that meant to me, and come to find out, she was going through the exact same crucible in her life today that I, that I was going through seven years ago that brought me to Dallas. So since she lived in Dallas, I offered to sponsor her through the road adventure and. Uh, she went through, got tremendous healing and victory. Two other married couples renewed their vows because they saw themselves in her story. So God had a two-for-one deal. Uh, you know, Man, that was that a, literally plane. a divine connection that day. Absolutely. God did an amazing thing in her life and, and used her to be confirmation for what I was praying for. And God so, showed you uh, 72 episodes? Yes. I, I, I can usually write about three to five pages of script per day. That's kind of my writing pace because I do a lot of research. Um, I ended up writing 17 pages and a half a day as a result wow. of my Arizona trip, the, the last day of my trip. And so I got pretty much that whole script done um, by the end of that Arizona trip and came back with an outline. God said, okay, here's the plan. 
and it was like he plugged a USB cable in my head. I mean, I'm not kidding. Right. I came back with an outline for 72 episodes, and, and I've got a whiteboard in my studio. takes up most of my wall, um, and I just try to get as much out of my head. i got about 10% on that whiteboard that's in my head. But he's given me a full outline for 72 episodes uh, of this series. Um, it's count. going to be a science fiction-style miniseries, but it's going to... Uh put in the, the truth of the Word of God That's right. to educate people to the time that we're living in so that they will not be um, caught up in this mass deception that it looks like is getting ready to be uh, unleashed. And um, part of the way that I'm going to plant seeds um, uh, is to actually put people like Tom Horn, Steve Quayle and stuff in the, in the episode as themselves. And by that the way I'm going to do that is like there might be a scene where a character's in a car, you know, driving at night listening to talk radio, and there might be 30 seconds or, or a minute worth of a, of a talk radio segment that would actually be Steve Quayle, you know, in the Q Files or Survive to Thrive or whatever, you know, or even Omega Man. <laughs> I watched uh, the, the uh, trailer for this thing. It's wild. And I put this up in the show notes, people. Click on this. What's it going to take to get this thing done? Well, what do you estimate uh, the cost uh, per episode would be? Yeah, the every episode's a million dollar budget and and shows like the event that are on TV right now have about a 3 million dollar budget, but that's kind of a Hollywood budget. There's a lot of padding and and slop in that budget. Um God has really brought all the resources uh that I really need here in Dallas in terms of being able to do the same I, I believe we can get the same production value for a million dollars that a lot of these TV shows that are shot for 3 million are doing. So our budget's a million dollars per episode. I'm looking for four million to do the first three episodes and to create the online infrastructure and the marketing ca- campaign to launch the whole thing. Uh, and the way that I'm really wanting to finance this is uh, make this fan-based. And the reason for that is multiple. One of them primarily is that if I go to ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, Sci-Fi Channel, or any of the mainstream networks, I, there's a big chance that my content will be controlled, that I could be censored or even canceled prematurely. I don't know about you, but I, I hate that last one, canceled prematurely. When you get involved oh, in a show, you love it, and then they cancel it. The Jer- uh, Jericho series. That's right. Uh, a lot of I shows get canceled. And, yeah. and there's, there's no opportunity to ever see it come, because once it's canceled, it's dead. The studio owns it, and it's dead. And I can't take that chance. God has said, you've got 72 episodes. I want to tell these stories, and, and it has to get out. So I started looking for alternatives, and basically, just like our show right now, uh, you know, your show is streaming on the Internet live. And uh, all the TV shows that we watch today anyway on ABC, CBS, NBC, we don't watch it on TV when they're on. We watch it on their .com, ABC.com, you know, anytime we want to at our leisure with on limited demand, commercial right? breaks on demand and high definition. So I'm like, well, if, the, if we can do that already, why don't we just do the whole thing ourselves online? Um, and all we have to do then, that's what, one of the $4 million is for is to build the online infrastructure and drive traffic to the website. Okay, um, now I've got a question here from Australia. We've huh? got Serge out there. I want to say hello to Serge and all the people tuning in tonight. Uh, I am Truth Seeker, Clemster, Marcus from uh, the U.K., Michael Hall, MMN4 Cristo, Nisi, Revival Fire, uh, Victoria Sanji, Skiba, Wild Olives, all our friends out there. And if I missed anybody, forgive me. Um, the question is, are you planning to shoot this on the red? Yes, actually we are. Uh, what is uh, the, the red? Cinemat- 
the red is, is the latest craze. A lot of, uh, especially independent filmmakers, although even big budget people are shooting on the red too. Uh, if I remember right, Transformers was shot on the red. I think I believe GI Joe was shot on the red. Um, it's a new it, type it, of uh, uh, camera technology that even uh, yeah, Spielberg it, is using. Yeah, a lot of the guys are using now. It, it's it has film quality, but it's digital technology. Okay, so. Uh, and it's very affordable, especially for the independents out there. But I, I have a cinematographer. Actually, I've got a few cinematographers just waiting to get started since we've got a budget. Uh, to, everybody needs to get paid, you know. Um, but this is a pretty cool series. On the red. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. We, we, our plan is to shoot it uh, here in Dallas. And um, I'm launching a campaign. Uh, it's on the website now. If you click on the Sew button, that and I'll say this to your listeners: It's like if you're sick of you know, the stuff that's on TV now, if you're sick of your favorite shows being canceled, well, we're putting the control in in the audience's hands. And all I'm asking for is three dollars and thirty three cents. There's that number again: three dollars. Oh, tell us cents. about that. Really? Yeah, three dollars and thirty three cents a month um, from our um, audience to keep the show alive and to and to finance it that basically means we need 300,300 people to to give that but that's that's a very doable thing once we get the word out uh, for people to do that but what that does is it's, it secures the show you know uh against any network finagling anybody canceling or censoring us or anything else it gives us total freedom to be completely self-contained and self-financed you know um and 3 dollars is like that's less than the cost of a latte at most coffee shops these days. So it's, I don't know anybody that can't afford $3 a month. Um, and, and the other side of it is that we are treating this very much as a ministry. We are trying to reach the world with the message of truth. Now, we may not be doing it as conventionally as a lot of Christians may be used to, but, you know, you've heard what my testimony is. You've heard what, what, where my heart is. Um, the evidence is there. This is what we're trying to do. Uh, so it really is an opportunity to sow into a ministry um, as well as – and the other side of the $3.33 deal is you're basically prepaying for the DVD box set. Okay, and so most, what would a person get if they were to say, yeah, I'd like to help you get a Christian miniseries going. Uh, I put down $3.33 a month. What do you get out of it? That's right. My wife's working on the website right now. It's not quite ready to be revealed to the masses, but should be within the next week or so. Uh, they're going to have access to basically the Seed Community Forum, where they can, of course, watch all the episodes. Uh, see, you only be able to watch episodes for three episodes for free. Uh, the, the people who are not subscribers will only be able to watch three episodes at a time. So when episode four shows up, episode one drops off into a, like an iTunes-type download bin. Yeah. So they have to pay a dollar eleven one 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 to view past episodes. The subscribers, it's always you can watch as many episodes as you want. When it's all done, you will have the links to all of the HD high quality uh, video files. So you basically prepaid for your DVD box set. You also have access to the the Seed forum where there'll be all kinds of uh, added special features and and things, inside information and interaction with the filmmakers and the cast and crew and all that kind of good stuff that, that comes with being a subscriber. And all the details are on the website. There's uh, When you click on the Sew link, uh, there's another link that says, what are the benefits of sewing into seed, sewing seed into seed? Um, and it has them listed. There are other levels they can contribute. The 333 basically prepays for the ep the episodes to get some access to this other website with all the special features. If they give $33.33, that's called a sower. The other ones are called seeders. Um, sowers get added the same benefits as the seeders get, 
uh, but there's added benefits to them, and, and it's tax deductible. The $33 contributions are tax deductible through our 501c3. There's also a $333.33 option that has even more benefits, and they are also tax deductible. And then there's, of course, give whatever level you want to give. Um, How would someone listening out there right now or on the MP3 uh, who says, hey, this is a pretty cool concept. I've watched the uh, Seed the Series trailer. Um, I think this is really neat. I would like to get behind it. Uh, count me on board. I'll come on board for three dollars and thirty-three cents. Uh, how can they sign up and um, get involved? Just, with you? just go right to seedtheseries.com. Click the so button, and uh, be pretty self-explanatory from there. There, there's instructions right there, and there's some banners that they can click on uh, that'll that'll take them to the appropriate pages. You know, we we never know who's going to be tuning in, Rob. We've got people coming on all the time from around the world, and people. Uh, we've talked about a lot of things tonight. You know, divine appointments. Um, how God can speak through numbers. You know, nothing's yes. impossible for God. And he will arrange circumstances, you know, to put you in position uh, to uh, to meet someone that uh, you witness to, that they may be help for you. Um, you know, God's all about divine appointments. I want you to share a testimony of the fish, if you would. Oh, would be yeah, so. absolutely. I think that'll bless people. Yeah, there were there two amazing stories of provision. One, I was writing uh, one of the scripts I was writing, and I woke up in the morning, and I couldn't hear out of my left ear. And um, I was like, man, what the heck? And it got worse over a couple of days, and then I couldn't see. It progressed from my ear to my eye. Uh, and I had no money. I had no health insurance, and, and I couldn't see. I couldn't hear. I was obviously under a spiritual attack. I sent an email out to some friends saying, hey, just help. You know, I've, I've got no health insurance. I need just prayer. Somebody help me here. And a friend of mine called me up, insisted I let him take me to the doctor, which I usually avoid like the plague. But since I had the plague, I said, <laughs> okay, I better go. Uh, they gave me something to clear the eye up. And then uh, the ear took several months to clear out. But he brought me home and said, you know, my wife and I have been praying for you. We believe in what you're doing. His grandfather had died three weeks earlier and left an inheritance. His share of the inheritance was $25,000. Now, we were already in the red, about $10,000 uh, at this point, And he hands me a check for $25,000. Wow which got us back in the green, and that carried us for a few months, June, July, August. And as we're going into September, I was in the same boat, minus the health problems. I was like, man, we're back to zero again, because uh, I've quit my job to do this. You know, this is this is all I'm doing, and uh, day and night. And so uh, this guy came through that program that I talked about, and um, before that, my pastor said, well, we need to pray for a fish. <laughs> Because I was, I was really hurting. He said, well, we need to pray for a fish, the story like Peter and the gold coin. Uh, so they I needed up, to pay uh, the tax taxi. man. That's and right. what did Jesus say to Peter? He said, uh, well, go 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 get a fish, and you open its mouth, there'll be a gold coin inside. And uh, take one for me, and there'll be a second one, and then pay mine That's too. right. There'll be uh, plenty, everything you need. So a couple of days later, after my pastor prayed that prayer about the fish, I met a guy whose last name is Fish. <laughs> And after I ended up sewing into his life and, and helping him through some things, uh, his wife came through town and needed a place to stay, and we offered our place. And she shared some things, some more testimony with us, and, and said, you know, we really want to bless you. And she opened up her purse and gave us nine solid gold one-ounce coins. Wow. And their last name is Fish. Her last name is Fish. She, so you, you literally had a fish give you a gold coin. Absolutely. You, ask not, <laughs> you, you have not because you ask not. And, 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 and that's what we're surviving on right now. Um uh, and they're starting to run out, so <laughs> we're we're back in the 
praying for provision mode, and you know, at this point, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is in this. The level of attack that we've had and the level of provision continuously confirms it, and the revelation. We, my wife and I have daily revelation regarding the story and what God wants to tell. So, and Amazing. I just finished episode two today. So, oh, congratulations! God gave you a download of seventy-two episodes for Seed the Series. Yep. Amazing. Uh, for those just tuning in, you're listening to Rob Skiba. Rob, give out your uh, website and how people can contact you and get behind you on this project. Sure. Uh, the website is seedtheseries.com, and uh, all of our information is on there. If they want to contribute, they want to become a subscriber, they just click on the So link. If they want to see more about it, they can click on the C link. Um, just something about the uh, trailer, let me just say, the series will not be animated. It's going to be live action. I just created the animation as a concept visual uh, to show people the idea of what we're trying to do. I think it's pretty cool. It's a really neat trailer, people. Go over and I put it in the show notes and watch this thing. Um, I think it's cool. And, you know, Thank I like you. your whole concept of how to finance it. You know, um, as I told you before, how many of you out there remember the uh, the series Billy Jack with Tom Laughlin? And, uh, you know, he went to the, uh, the you know, the, the Hollywood... Um, Big wigs and said, you know, hey, uh, I would like to make this movie. And they kind of laughed at him. Nobody wanted to support him. So he, he raised money independently, if I recall the story. And he forewalled it, which is basically, you know, he went and hired the uh, individual theaters. He did all the publicity. And it was a sleeper. I mean, it was like a box office smash. You know, even more recently, you have uh, Sylvester Stallone decides to um, make a action film the top all-action films that he's ever made previously, and here's a man in his 60s. And uh, he wanted to become so realistic that he told uh, Steve Austin, the wrestler, to hit him. And he didn't use any body doubles, my friends. He was knocked <laughs> through a wall, uh, had to have emergency surgery after the film was done. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's raw action. It's like a return of the old school, you know, that I grew up with, uh, Dolph Lundgren, and, um, you know, you've got um, yeah, sure. Jet Li, and you've got all these uh, these great uh, action heroes in there. And I, you know, I love a good action movie. And so yeah. I really enjoyed that. But where I'm going with that is he said, you know, nobody wanted to make the film. Um, and he had to raise money independently. And then it's such a success that, you know, he believed in it uh, and he pursued it that, uh, you know, it was a box office smash. And uh, they made a lot of money with this thing. I mean, you know, uh, folks, I believe you, you're supposed to pursue your dreams. I believe God wants to see us be able to um, to see things uh, that we wanted to do in life fulfilled. Um, that's a pre that's a pretty cool concept that you got there. I, I would tell people to get behind Rob here. Rob, um, for those that are just tuning in, uh, share once again the power of um, speaking things. Uh, I believe. Give an you example. Know, the the thing is, God. Um says that he spoke the worlds into existence. He said, let there be, and it was. And it says that he created us in his own image. Now, I'm not talking about blab it and grab it. I am talking about the I am that's in me, that when I'm praying and believing in accordance with his will, that I have power in my tongue to manifest things. And yes. so, you know, uh, I, gave, I gave the example of manifesting my wife and, and others uh, where the things that I have for a positive confession spoken over myself every time I saw a triple digit, uh, it has happened. It, it has literally manifested in my life. Wow. So so I, so I live by that. And 
Uh, give an example of how you found your godly wife. What, did you, what were you saying every day? Uh, my positive confession is that I have an absolutely gorgeous godly wife who loves the Lord with all her heart and has a passionate desire to serve in ministry. We work together in unity in all things, meeting each other's needs and bringing heaven down to earth. And that's exactly what I have today. And folks, so listen, we're not talking about uh, New Age doctrine here. Let me read a uh, verse out of the Word of God. I'm, I've got my sword out here, and I'm turning over here to uh, Job chapter 22. And um, several years ago, Rob, I was in a, a really tough situation. And I got down on my knees, and um, I prayed. And I said, God, I need a word tonight. I mean, I, if I've ever needed to hear from you, I need to hear now. And uh, I took the King James Bible, let it fall open, and I set my eyes on the Word, and boom, it fell open to Job chapter 22. And I looked and I saw a verse. It says, Yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense, and thou shalt have plenty of silver. Well, I had to go up before a judge the very next day. And uh, I went in there, and uh, I was victorious in court. And uh, I went home, and I had an email. The email was from a, a good friend of mine. Uh, some of you may know him. His name is Benjamin Baruch. We're going to have him on back very soon, by the way. He he was actually shown a vision of the future of America. Wrote a book on it called The Day of the Lord is at Hand. And um, all I had was this email, and I opened it up, and it had no message. It just had a verse. And what do you think it was? <laughs> it was Job twenty-two twenty-five. Hmm. Well, the Lord was defense, my defense, and I got that, and I hung on to that. But actually, what God did is... Uh, he gave him a little bit more than that verse. If you go down to verse 26, it says, For then shalt thou have thy delight in the Almighty, and shalt lift up thy face unto God. Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he shall hear thee, and thou shalt pay thy vows. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. Folks, right there, God's talking about you know, decreeing a thing, you know, making a prayer to him. You know, God, I would like to do so-and-so. Uh, and when God brings it to pass, you know, uh, you, you pay your vows. And, um, you know, you keep your keep your promise to him. And so, you know, there's a lot of power in the spoken word. You know, you can bless and curse. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. Yeah. But uh, I'm still trying to grasp on this reality of proclamations and decreeing a thing. You know, another guy who was really big on this was Derek Prince. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a... Um, a whole teaching on proclamations, you know. And so uh, I'm trying to incorporate that into my own life, you know. Uh, I, I, I believe you know, it works. You know, it definitely works in reverse. I, I know that. People, they, you know, in counseling, they call it negative tapes. You know, when sure. people just, I'm no good, I'm stupid, I'm worthless, whatever. You know, th- that has power. When you are speaking that over yourself, you are manifesting it over yourself, you know. And it's like, well... If the negative works, well, the positive has to work, too. Amen. I mean, this is a biblical principle, folks. You know, they've stolen this in the mainstream, and I think they came up with programs like uh, The Secret and some of these other things. And they've, you know, they've taken taken the Word of God and they perverted it into New Age thinking, and they took Christ out of the equation and God. But my point is, is, uh, you know, what's what's the whole concept of blessings, you know? Yeah. Uh, You would have, um, you'd have Jacob, okay, bless his sons. Yeah, that's um, right. You had, I mean, you had all these, you know, the, the father would, would be on his deathbed, and what he would do? He uh, he called a, 
I'm sorry, I'm, I'm thinking of Isaac. Uh, he called uh, Jacob and Esau in there, right? Oh. And, of course, it was Jacob that went in and stole the birthright. Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, he, we, all he did was speak it, and it was, that was, it was gold. I mean, that was, that was a done deal. He proclaimed it. I, I'll tell you kind of a personal story here, and, and uh, I apologize that I had not went to break. We're winding up, but I wanted to make sure we covered a lot of stuff here because this is a good, good story here, what Rob is uh, talking about here tonight, folks. I hope that uh, you can benefit. You know, I was called back from Costa Rica in 2007. Um, that was the the first. Well, that was actually the second time, the third time I, I came back in March. But uh, I was called back, and I was told I needed to come and visit my father. That he was uh, not doing good. Now the the problem is nobody told me he was dying. And uh, I came back, and I just thought my dad was in the hospital. And lo and behold, uh, he was about to die, and he had two weeks left when I came back. And uh, I had not seen my father in some time. Well, you know, we lived apart. I was living overseas, and he was back in the States. He was a busy man until the day he died. But the point I'm trying to get to here is uh, I was called home. My mother and I hopped on a plane. We go down to see my dad, and he's in the hospital. And I, I walked in. I had not seen my dad in a long time, and he was, I call it, streaming in the spirit. I mean, he was literally prophesying. And various people were in there, and, you know, he was talking to him, and then he came in and he set his eyes on me, or I came in his, his uh, mercy reward, and he started to give me a prophecy. And uh, he would die uh, two weeks later. Well, you know, my father was not a perfect man like most, and uh, I believe he died before his time. Um, you know, he had some um, idolatry in his life and had pride, but I believe God got him in by the skin of his teeth, you know, like they say, with the smell of smoke on him. But I'll never forget, he, uh, he gave me a word and, uh, I remembered it, but I didn't get all the detail. Well, I had a, uh, a cousin whose husband was there, and uh, I praised God for him that what he did is he actually sent me an email and had almost all the words verbatim. And I looked back at it, and it was a blessing. Hmm. And uh, my father actually blessed me before he died. He died a wealthy man uh, and left no inheritance to me or my brothers. And so you say, well, what kind of blessing did you get? Well, it wasn't that I was looking for something from him materially, but uh, the, the truth of it is uh, I didn't get blessed in that way. But what he did do, which I'm just uncovering, is he blessed me with his words. Hmm. And while I didn't get an inheritance in the physical sense, I did get a blessing proclaimed over me, which I'm standing on right now. And I won't go into all the detail of that. But you know what? We're supposed to bless our children. You know, the Word even says that uh, we're supposed to leave our grandchildren an inheritance. Uh, how often do you see that? You really don't. Uh, you know, we're living beneath our privileges, people. You know, we should be blessing and not cursing. You know, if you have a child, you should bless them. You know, you should, if you're a grand, grandparent, you should bless your grandchild. Go ahead, Rob. Uh, I, yeah, how much time do we have? I, I don't want to We have about uh, 20 minutes remaining. Oh, I, I've got to share something with you then. Go for it. Because you're talking about what's inside of us. Uh, that we are living below our, our inheritance. Um, man, I just had a revelation dumped on me this past week that has still been blowing my mind. Sure. Well. I, uh, I had the uh, privilege of having lunch with a physicist um, a couple days ago uh, named David Hitt, who's a born-again believer, a uh, physicist, that uh, was just on Tom Horn's show uh, Thursday night, I believe. Um he and I went to dinner, had an amazing, about a three-hour-long discussion um, just about God and, and in terms of physics and numbers and things. And he's got a concept called dimensionlessness. 
Really? Do you have a, a blank piece of paper in front of you? I sure do. Okay, if you take a blank piece of paper, I'm going to try to illustrate this as best as I can. This is not the way he articulated it, but it's the way I've been able to wrap my mind around it. <laughs> is is if you think in terms of the paper is is all there is. There's nothing else but the paper. Your desk doesn't exist. Nothing else on the planet exists except for the paper. Okay. okay? That's God. That's dimensionless. It's he is everything, right? Now, what I want you if you got a pen, Draw, go down about a half an inch from any edge of the paper and draw a parallel lines all the way around uh, parallel to each edge of the paper so you got one a, a box okay so if you've got a you know you don't have to do it perfect but you know kind of drawing like a, a picture frame right yeah it's like a picture frame and, okay and so if you imagine that that and you can label that heaven that square okay, okay. and we would say that that's uh, third heaven you know that's where that's where God is that's where John saw the revelation, right? Yes. So that's heaven. Now draw a oval, a, a large elongated oval in the in the middle of this box. Okay. You can label that second heaven if you want, or the universe. Okay. Okay. Then draw a circle in the oval, so you got what looks like an eye, a, a large circle. Okay. And that would be the galaxy. Draw another circle. Inside of that, that would be the solar system. Okay. Draw another circle inside of that, and that would be Earth. And then draw a stick person in the middle of, of the middle circle. And that's stick person. you. Got that's it. you. <laughs> okay. Now, if you think of terms of God being the, the dimensionlessness, in other words, in order to perceive dimension, you have to be in some sort of temporal reality where there is some semblance of time and space to measure uh, movement, to measure size, to measure depth, or, or any form of dimension, right? Most know of at least the three three dimensions, right? Three-dimensional yeah, objects, but... That's right. Plus time would be the fourth dimension. Okay. But but God is dimensionless, right? So uh, what that means is that you can't measure it. And, and basically that's saying, if I told you the page was all that there was there would be no possible way for you to step outside of the page to look at it. Do you follow? Cause Whereas that's where page. God is. He's outside space and time, right? He's outside of all of that, including heaven itself. Okay. Now, so if you've got this dimensionless God that is, you can't possibly perceive him in any way in that format. So what he did was he created temporal realms through which people, his creation, his angels, people, angels, creation, whatever he created so that they could perceive him. So he created, and Genesis 1 says that, he created the heavens and the earth. I never thought about it this way. It's like a, most people have this view of God as we see heaven kind of the way John did. You know, there's there's a throne room and God's sitting on the throne and people and angels are all around him. Well, God's bigger than that. He's the dimensionless one. He's outside of all things that can be measured. I never understood the passage where, where it, I think it says Exodus 33, where it says that God... Uh, that Moses met God in the tent of meeting, and it says that he spoke with him face to face as one talks to a friend. In the same chapter, you skip down a little bit farther, and Moses says, let me see you in all of your glory. He says, no, nobody can see me uh, face to face and live. It's like, wait a minute, in the same chapter, he just said he spoke with him face to face. Well, he did in a temporal format, the same way Jesus manifested himself. He's the Son of God, manifest on earth you know, as a man in a temporal way. But basically, God allowed Moses to see what I call the backside of dimensionlessness. 
if you can imagine taking the page, grab one corner, and then rip a hole right next to the stick person and stick the corner in it, that's what God did. He's kind of inserted his dimensionalness self <laughs> into the dimensional world and allowed Moses to see his backside. It's so massive when you think about, if, if you're looking at this paper, paper like this, we say God, you can't put God in a box. And yet God himself, if we can use the terminology, put himself in his creations. It says God temporal, created all that was made, right? From Yeah, from temporal heaven all the way down to the universe, all the way down to manifesting in the temple and the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant, right down to in my heart. And when I think of the magnitude of that, that that's why he could, only, he could only describe himself as, I just am. <laughs> so what you're saying, there's no limitations to God, is there? None! I mean, we, don't, we don't grasp that, that anything, that's, all things that's are the, possible. That's right. That's the, part of, that's the point I'm trying to make, is when you realize just how massive God is, and he's chosen to manifest himself in our heart, in us, the I am is in me, my God, what kind of power do we have? Well, you know, that, hey, that's the that's where Satan is trying to blind men, so that they don't see the reality of the situation. That greater is He that is in thee than He that is in the world. Way greater. Satan's He's already so been whipped, above folks. He's so far above it. Uh, so and you know, far. nothing's impossible. There's people out there right now looking for a mate. You think that's a hard thing for them, God, to do? There's people no, look looking at- for jobs right now. Brother, I, I was uh, I was two days away from death, literally. I mean, I, I had no money, and I had no um, support um, emergency line to pull onto. I was living over in Tijuana, Mexico, an American living in Tijuana. Okay, and I had, like, uh, just enough um, left on my uh, trolley card to make maybe two or three more trips, and then I was going to be stuck, and I'm trying to find a job at this time. And I literally, you know, I was living on ramen noodles and bottled water. And um, talk about a weight loss plan. Oh, my goodness. You'll lose weight <laughs> if you're eating on that. I would go and uh, I would uh, eat three tacos for a dollar and ask for a cup of water. I mean, it was uh, it was sad time. Some of you are doing that right now. And uh, I, it was all over for me. I said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll take a $3 an hour job. And I'm, a, I'm 30 years old at the time. I said, I'll do whatever, but I'm going to die if you don't step in. And I have seen God uh, click his fingers, and I got a phone call, and it says, can you be at a job today? Mm-hmm. And that job lasted me two weeks. I'd have to walk four miles a day to get there in the dark at night. And uh, I'm not saying it was without uh, hardship, but uh, God had a plan. And uh, just as that job was ending, Rob, I had a uh, a call come in from a headhunter, and they said, you know, you've been wanting this job right across the border at this company called Maxell. Yeah. And I said, I sure do. And they said, we've got an interview for you. And the next thing you know, the desire of my heart, God gave me. I had the perfect job come in. And uh, that day that I set off for that job interview, I had 35 cents in my name. I had enough to get across the border. But even if I got the job, it was a Friday afternoon. I had no way to go pick up my paycheck from the tip agency from the two weeks prior that I just finished the job on or even get back home. I walked in, walked a mile to the interview, got the job. I walked out, my head was low because I knew I, I'm still screwed. I had no way to to make it. It was going into the weekend, no way to get home. A car pulls out of nowhere, says, hey, Bruce, you need a lift? And I said, who are you? And they said, uh, work with the Randstad Temp HC. We'll give you a lift. And I said, yeah, I need to go pick up my check. I got the job of my dreams. I got uh, an angel came out of nowhere, 
picked me up, took me over. I got my check cashed, and I went into the weekend praising God. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, folks, it was impossible for me. I was getting ready to die, literally. And God gave me the job I need. There's people out there that need jobs tonight. Uh, nothing's impossible with God. Uh, I've got some situations right now that I don't know how uh, I'm going to get them solved, as many of you do out there right now. Uh, Rob has a vision God gave him of 72 episodes that he's to make for Seed the Series to educate people that you're probably not going to be able to reach otherwise. You know, people that uh, are going to be watching TV one way or the other, and here's a chance to have a godly program out there that hopefully can snatch some of these out of Satan's hand. And you can do it for $3.33 a a month. Wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, Some people say, well, that's a lot of money for an episode. Folks, that's nothing for God. Just as it's nothing, you know, for some of the things we're believing here at Omega Man Radio. We've all got something that we want to do. We've got a desire of our our hearts that, uh, you know, God wants to give us. You know, God owns all the gold and silver and cattle on a thousand hills, right? It's just uh, getting in line with uh, the Lord and his plan, and he can move mountains and put you in uh, places that uh, you can't explain how you got there that day, but you had a divine appointment. Am I preaching some truth here, Rob? Amen. (laughs) And I I wanted you to relate some of these experiences because it encourages people. Well, they say, wow, that's a pretty cool story. You're actually on an airplane, and God sent you in there and confirmed your dream, and you helped a lady who was going through a terrible time, and uh, by meeting you on that airplane, by switching the seats, she got the help that she needed, didn't she? That's right. Or, see, uh, I, I really believe that uh, God's not, he's not, first of all, he's not interested in what he can do for us. He wants to know what he can do in us and through us. Right. Um, but I also have come to realize, at least in my own experience, that it's never just about whatever I'm asking for and just about whatever I'm dealing with. Is in my experience, he's always got a minimum a two for one deal going, you know, where somebody else will be just as blessed as you will be by the interaction. That he, he kills two birds with one stone, doesn't he? <laughs> At least two. At least two. And sometimes oh, it's multiple. And that's what amazes me is because you know, if you think of the world as like this one big chessboard and you think about God's up there moving these pieces around, it's extraordinary what, what he does to, to move heaven and earth to have interaction with us. Man, listen, God specializes in things. Uh, I mean, I don't know any other way to say it than, you know, again, it's God God is awesome. I mean, uh, I mean, here you were, you needed a, I mean, there is a person that um, you sold into, and then you find yourself in a situation, you needed a blessing, you extended uh, your home, and um, they pulled out nine gold coins, and their name was Fish. You actually got the gold coins out of the fish's mouth. Yeah, but, yeah, just about. You know, and the crazy part about that too was, you know, as I I spent a whole weekend working with this guy, and um, God gave me very specific things. My prayer, especially when I go into a situation like that, is is God just, hey, uh, let me be your eyes, your ears, your mouth. Speak through me, touch through me. Let me be the conduit from from your heart to whoever the I'm conduit. talking to. Oh yeah, yeah I'm I'm with just, that. I am just the uh, the vessel to work through. You know. And, and so I pray that, and I say, God, I'm visual, so I'll say, God, show me things. What, what does this guy need? And he would show me things, and I would just relay to him what I see in my head and and speak words that I feel God would have me say. And then he pulled me aside later and said, man, I, I don't know how you knew that. And the guy was in his mid to late 40s, 
He said, man, I've been praying about that since I was five years old. How did you know that? I'm like, I, I didn't know anything. You know, I'm just, wow. I'm just, I'm just the messenger, you know. Uh, but to be able to, to, to see and to do something like that is just extraordinary. And he wants to do that for everybody. Amen. You know, if we all walk around asking that God to do that prayer, you know, uh, God, be your, let me be your eyes, let me be your ears, let me be your mouth, touch through me. Well, guess what? He's going to do it. You know, he, if we're his body here on earth, that's how he's got, you know, how else is he going to do it? He has chosen to do everything on this planet through people. Brother, that's, that is uh, that is so true. And I'm going to read a uh, verse here. Um, folks, if you have your uh, your swords, the Word of God, turn with me over to uh, Psalms 37. Again, Psalms chapter 37, verses 4 through 8. And uh, I'll read it. It says, Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Yep. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Um, folks, God wants to give us the desires of our heart. After we delight in him. Absolutely. It says, seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all these other things shall be added unto you. He already knows what we need. He's just looking for an obedient people. Um, nothing is, is too hard for God. Uh, you know, he specializes in the impossible. That's where you see miracles when you get an impossible situation, and it could be done no other way but God's intervention. And that's when he does it. And you see some pretty cool things happen. Um, again, praise God. You know, because I've seen it in my own life. Uh, I had my grandmother give a testimony, Rob, where um, she had this desire to go to the mission fields. I mean, she would hear. Um, testimonies of missionaries that would come through and they'd bring the photographs and the slide projector and, you know, back before um, VHSs and DVDs. They show all the old slides, projections. And uh, she would just want to cry because she had this burden to go over to uh, the mission field. Well, she had $5. And, uh, you know, this was uh, something that, uh, you know, was all the wealth in the world she had. And uh, the Lord told her one day and said, uh, give it to that lady. She needs it more than you. Mm -hmm. And she says, God, if I give my $5, all that I have won't have anything. He said, give it to her. He gave $5 to this lady, and um, he, she obeyed. Well, it wasn't too long after that that uh, my grandfather, who was a minister, came, came in and said, Wheatus was her name. She said, uh, look here, what has happened? Uh, someone came to me today and gave this and said, uh, you're going to uh, Haiti. And they gave her five $100 bills. And God took the $5 that she was obedient, giving and multiplied it, and she got the dream fulfilled, and that was to go to the mission fields. And, uh, you know, that's just a, a small example. Can, can, I tell you how, asking, how that, can I tell you how that 25000 manifested? Absolutely. Uh, when I got my studio, after, I, after we got our studio set up, our monthly expenses just for our, our, our home and our studio is 5000 a month minimum. Um, that, that's just like barely getting by, 5000 And I had an extra studio uh, office space in my studio that I was going to rent to another video guy. Now, before that, our church, we, we go to a very small church, was meeting in a Holiday Inn. And it didn't take much to look at the, the few people that were in the church and realize that even if everybody here was tithing, uh, which most of the time the global statistic is only about 4% of the church finances the whole thing. Um, I've seen that everywhere I've gone. Uh, 
Absolutely. Uh, Most people don't believe in tithing these days. Yeah. So I'm looking at the, the few people that are there, and I asked the pastor, I said, if you don't mind me asking, how much are you paying the hotel per month? And he said, well, it costs us $1,500 a month to meet at this hotel. And um, I said, man, because I had a 1,800-square-foot studio, uh, and there's only, like I said, 30 people in the church. So I said, oh, man, come, stop paying for the hotel. Come to my studio. I'll only charge you 500 My rent was 1000 I said, I'll only charge you 500 which was a third of what he was paying and half of my rent. So I figured it was a good deal for both of us. But God laid on my heart, no, you're not going to charge your church. So I'm thinking, well, God, you know, I've got to start generating some kind of income here, you know. And so, what, but what I figured out was that tithe on five thousand, which is what we needed to pay our bills, would would be our tithe. It would be five hundred bucks. Uh, so tithe on five thousand would be five hundred. And I was going to charge him five hundred, but since God told me not to charge him, I said, well, what if I do a reverse tithe? We don't have five thousand, but we need five thousand. So what if we just sow the building for the church for five hundred as a contribution? And uh, save that, so they get go in for free, basically. So we did that, and that went on for a little while. Uh, and mind you, I'm not making any money. I haven't made zero money, <laughs> you know, and have five thousand dollars a month I got to pay. Offered the church five hundred. The other five hundred, the other half of my rent, I was going to charge another guy uh, to use the other office in my studio, uh, and that fell through. So uh, when we got the twenty-five thousand dollar check from our friend that, whose grandfather had died. We uh, wrote a check for $2,500 to tie on it, not realizing that our pastor, who is a plumber by trade, uh, hasn't been getting paid by his clients because of the economy. And so when we gave him our $2,500 check, he just started crying because he had been praying because he wasn't able to pay his electric bill and their electricity had gotten cut off. And so uh, we said, well, here you go. You know, here's our, here, well, let us be a blessing to you with this as our tithe. And so he was, and then we walked him into the other room and said, and we want you to have this because the pastor needs to have his own office to study, meditate, pray, counsel people, whatever. And so we gave it to him. And so I have to believe that our sowing in faith, the 500, when we didn't even have 5,000 to tithe 500 on, we were just giving everything away for free, the only source of income that we could have had led to the $25,000 blessing that we had that we were able to turn around and bless through the tithe so that he could pay his bills and get things back up. See, it's a two-for-one deal. Again, a three-for-one deal if you consider the person that gave us the 25000 because I know God's going to bless them for sowing what they did. Amen. You know, um, that's a, that's the second story I've heard like that. I had a buddy just tell me even uh, last week that uh, he was in a situation. He said, man, I need a financial blessing, but he says, I don't have any money with which to, to tithe from. And, you know, it is, folks, a blessing to be able to tithe because God's not a man that he shouldn't lie, but he watches over his word before him. And he says, uh, if you bring the tithe in the storehouse of heaven, he'll pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. Hmm. And so God will keep his word. Tithing works. And for the people that say, oh, tithing's not for today, well, you know, um, if you don't want to be blessed, then don't tithe. Yeah, here's but what I tithes. say. I don't say that tithing is a have to. I don't say, man, I have to tithe. I say, I get to tithe. Amen. You know, and God will rebuke the devourer, too. There's a deliverance aspect, too, because uh, Satan does try to, uh, you know, he, he will take what you got. And if you don't tithe, God will get it anyway, because, uh, you know, the devil will get it. I mean, you know, it'll, it'll be taken from you. You might as well give it to God, because then God's going to help you. But my point is, is he didn't have anything. And he said, well, what can I do? And uh, he had a buddy who had gotten a job. He'd been unemployed for some time, got a job. But the problem with his buddy is but buddy didn't have a vehicle. My friend did. So he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tie into this brother. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take him to work, 
because I've got the car, and I'm going to sow into this guy's life, and I'm going to help him get to work. And, you know, uh, it wasn't long after that that God turned around and blessed him with uh, a job that he needed. And, uh, you know, he sowed. You know, so maybe, folks, there's somebody out there that's saying, hey, you know, um, I need a blessing from the Lord, and I just uh, I have no money whatsoever. Well, do you have a skill? Do you have, you know, do you have something you can help someone else with? I mean, you know, I believe you can tie that way, too. Yeah, I, I didn't have $500 to give. I didn't have anything. But we gave a studio that saved our pastor $1,500 a month. Amen. Maybe you have a, uh, maybe you're a skilled carpenter. Maybe um, you're an electrician. You know, uh, maybe you know someone that needs some of that kind of work done. Well, go, go and tithe your time. And, uh, you know, God will bless you. I believe he'll honor that. Uh, we're, we're talking about principles tonight, folks, that um, that we need to grasp. Again, uh, we need to speak blessings and not curses. We need to understand that uh, God can communicate with us a number of ways. He's trying to get our attention all the time. We just uh, don't recognize it. We're not tuned into the frequency. Okay, and uh, God can put you in situations where there's a divine appointment. He needs to accomplish multiple things simultaneously. And if you'll be obedient, and you'll go out there, and if God you know, is telling you to do something, you'll do it. Uh, you have no idea what uh, may be getting ready to be accomplished. And uh, it's amazing um, how, God, how good God is. Amen. I cease to be amazed. Uh, I mean, I, I, I sit here and scratch my head, and I say, I don't know how that... How he ever managed to get that thing done? I couldn't even see it coming. <laughs> you know, it was an impossible situation. We've got some impossible situations now, folks. All of us do. We're we're all um, in a, in an area where we need a new miracle. Um, well, and I want Rob to pray. But Rob, before we do that, uh, would you go ahead and give out your contact information again? Sure. It's uh, seedtheseries.com. Seedtheseries.com. And actually, there's it. it um, if you go on the C page, if you go on the so page, it takes you to how you can contribute and be a part of it. If you go on the C page, it gives you some more radio interviews and video and stuff that uh, talks about uh, some of the things we've talked about, Mount Hermon and stuff. And if you scroll down to the bottom of that page, there's a link that says enter the promotional site. And that will take you into another site that's just loaded with research and background information and all kinds of cool stuff on characters and in the story. In fact, you can even download part one of the script. Uh, there's a PDF icon in the top right-hand corner. They can read part one if they want. Well, I tell you, I'm going to have Steve Quill, special guest, on uh, Tuesday night. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to simulcast tonight's broadcast right after Steve's show. When Steve cool. comes, he'll usually bring uh, 2,000 people live, 500 in the chat room, and we'll have 10,000 downloads. So I'm going to do all I can, brother, to help you get this message out. I think Seed the Series will be pretty cool. I really like the trailer, and uh, folks, if... Uh, if you like uh, what we've been talking about tonight, get a hold of Rob. Uh, for $3.33 a month, you know, you could be a part of this, and I think it would be kind of cool to get behind a miniseries where you could actually see the whole thing carried out to its fruition, unlike Hollywood where they'll, you know, give you a couple seasons and then it's just getting good and then they uh, they shut the whole thing down. That's it. How sucky that is, you know. Yeah, uh, Rob, would you pray for the people out there listening tonight that are in the Valley of Decision? And need sure. some miracles in Absolutely. their lives. Some of them are looking for a mate. Others are looking for a job. Others need a financial blessing. Um, others have actually been uh, had their homes foreclosed. They need a home. Mm-hmm. I think we're all going in the we're all in the crucible at one time or another in our life, or living on the backside of the desert. 
and we need a miracle. So sometimes uh, we just need to pray for one another, and God will use that. Yeah, absolutely. To minister. Go ahead, brother. All right. Father God, I just thank you so much uh, for your love for us, Father, to, to think that the dimensionless God that is so big above everything else would choose to manifest himself in his own creation in a way that we can have interaction and relationship, Father. That is just extraordinary to think that the, the power that created the entire universe is inside of us, and, and so many of us are, are living uh, below that reality, Father. So first of all, I just ask that you reveal yourself in tangible ways uh, for each and every one of uh, the people who are listening right now, Father. Just You are no respecter of persons, and Father, I, I've given my testimony, and, and you have done just extraordinary, amazing things in my life, everything from taking care of me when I was homeless, living in a car, providing for me when I didn't have a job, uh, getting me a job that was a, a dream job, bringing me my soulmate, Father, providing for me on a daily basis, healing and restoring me in every way, shape, and form. And, Father, you, you are no respect of persons. What you do for me, you would do for each and every person who is out there who is hurting, Father, who needs a healing touch, who needs restoration in their life, people who need a job. Lord, I just ask that you do all the things that you've done for me and more for those who are out there that need it, Father, need a touch from you. And, and I pray, as I said earlier, that, that you will manifest yourself, Lord, in tangible ways for people who need to hear a word from you that you will just uh, sing over them. For people that need a touch from you, Lord, that you will bring somebody to them that will be that conduit, Lord, that, that you will touch them through the, the hands, through the flesh of another person, Lord. Um, bring that personal touch uh, and, and help them to feel your presence uh, through that person. Lord, I know that you just, you love to work through your people and you love to do two for ones, three for ones, four for ones. You, it's not about any one person. It's about what you can do through your people in this earth. So, Father, I pray right now that you just send out your messengers, send out people who have the, the capacity to help. Lord, the people who are struggling right now, I pray for uh, fish. <laughs> Um, for yes. people that, that need gold coins right now that are that are struggling, Lord, let them uh, cast the, their their line out and whatever, Lord, just in faith. I pray that they will reel in uh, the gold coins that, that they need uh, for their sustenance, Lord. I pray for those who are, are struggling with being alone right now, that you help them, Lord, if if they have that Pac-Man personality where they're always looking for somebody else to fill that empty void. Father, I pray that you will fill that empty void for them so that they can learn to become whole uh, in and of themselves, Lord, with you. And I pray for those people who have that wedge-type personality that derive their own self-worth by their ability to fill the, the gaps in other people, Lord, that you just um, he'll break off the pieces, Lord, so that they become lumpy O's as well, Lord, so that everybody can get what they need from you and you alone, Father, that they can know you as husband, Lord. And as a man, that was so hard for me to try to wrap my head around uh, knowing you as my husband, but Lord, my prayer was that you would be El Shaddai to me, my all-sufficiency. And so I pray that for those who are out there that are struggling, men and women, Lord, that you will be their all-sufficiency, their El Shaddai, Lord, and they could become whole in you. And then when the time is right, when they are ready, that you will bring another whole person along for them to, to come alongside them in their journey, Father. And that two whole people with you as the center, as the axle that helps them to roll, so that they can enjoy the kind of relationship that that I have with my wife, Father, and Lord, I just uh, I praise you for for Bruce for for this show, for his ministry of deliverance, Father. It is so necessary. So few people are living below um, 
what you have done with Sozo, Father. They, they, I think enough. I think people are saved enough to be forgiven, but not healed and delivered. And Lord, I thank you that there are people like Bruce out there trying to um, bring the full measure of Sozo uh, to your people and to the world. And so, Lord, I pray a special blessing over Bruce, over his family. I pray that uh, you make a way for for his wife and for him to be together again, Lord. And I just pray for provision for his for his show, uh, that you can take this message out to even more and more people, Father. And again, Lord, I just thank you for this night, and we give it to you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise Jesus. God bless you, Rob. Uh, this is Rob Skiba. Rob, give out your uh, website and contact information, please, again. Again, that's seedtheseries.com, and all the information is on the website. God bless you, brother. It was a, a real honor and pleasure to have you on tonight. Look forward to oh. talking with you again. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Take care. That was Rob Skiba, uh, SeedTheSeries.com. Really cool concept. Uh, and I like uh, I like how a person can get involved. $3.33 a month, that's pretty cool. Uh, I believe it's doable. And uh, you know what? Uh, God wants to use us all as conduits at various times in our lives. You know, you may have... Um, God speaking to you, and God tells you to do something. Well, if we will be obedient to what God tells us to do, then um, God can use you to bless someone else, who in turn will do something to bless someone else. It'll come back to you. I mean, God's about interconnecting people. He's about divine appointments. Okay? Um, Sometimes uh, maybe you get ready to go to work and you're delayed. And you say, wow. You know, I'm I'm late coming out the door. How do you know that God didn't uh, arrange that? Okay, because if you had been on time, you could have been in a car accident that was getting ready to take place up the road. Okay? God can do that for you. Um, Maybe um, you're you're headed to a place and it's closed, so you divert to another. And when you get there, uh, you meet someone. How did you know that... uh, when you set out that uh, God was going to set that up, well, he knew all about it. He needed to put you in the path of someone that you needed to speak to. Um, I don't know if I'm making sense here, but I'm saying God is about divine appointments. He's about using people as conduits. You know, um, it's about saying, God, you know, use me as you will. Use me in a mighty way. Use me as a conduit to um, achieve something great for you. You know, maybe maybe you see uh, the poor children. You say, God, if you'll bless me financially, I would like to uh, be able to feed the children. Or I would like to be able to get ministers uh, on the the mainstream television networks that don't have an opportunity otherwise. You know, that was always my prayer. So, God, if you bless me financially, I'd like to be used as a conduit to get uh, some of the, the true ministers of God on the airwaves. That's kind of interesting that he used that word. I use that same word, conduit. And there was a time in my life that I was able to do that. God blessed me at a time, and I was able to uh, help uh, Jonathan Hanson and World Ministries International get up on the air. And we, you know, we went so far with it. Uh, he still has a vision to get up on, like, uh, Daystar Network. Uh, powerful Word of God. That's I'm talking worldministries.org. Dr. Jonathan Hanson. And you know what? Uh, I was also praying for Michael Bolday, and then I heard that um, a door had opened up, and they're on uh, Inspirational Network. Another man of God that's got a right now word. And, you know, he's on a, 
a network, you know, jam-packed with televangelists that uh, want you to send them their money so that they can buy another Learjet. Okay, or they can spend $10,000 a night in a hotel room. Uh, that's a shame, folks, but that's happening out there. And so often, the, the people that are preaching the true words of God, the people that are preaching the full gospel, like Dr. Pat Holliday, for example, they can barely keep their lights on because no one wants to support the deliverance ministry. Yet, uh, she's the lady that you'll be able to get on the phone in the wee hours of the night if you had an emergency, or you find out that uh, your son or daughter is demonized. And uh, there's no help anywhere else in sight. You know, support the, the places that you get fed. Support the deliverance ministry. Uh, feed the widows, the orphans. Help those in disaster. Bless Israel. You know, get behind um, projects where you're guaranteed God is going to bless you in return, because God can't lie, okay? He watches over his word to perform it. He says, if you lend to the poor, you've lent to me, and I will repay. He says, if you bless Israel, I'll bless you. He says, if you bring your tithes to the storehouse of heaven, then I will rebuke the devourer. And I believe the deliverance ministry is a storehouse. It deals with armory, okay? Weapons of our warfare to fight the, the foul spirits. And uh, I'm just praying right now, Father God, that uh, you would bless everyone that has tuned in tonight. Ask for a blessing over Rob Skiba. We stand in agreement that the finances are going to come in, that he'll be able to do the 72 episodes. Or get as far as he can, Father God, the remaining time we've got before the return of your son, Jesus Christ. I'm lifting up everyone out there, God, that has been financially devastated, people that are living in RVs, people that are living in their car, people that have no job right now. We lift them up, Father God. We're all in the crucible at one point in or another in our lives. But God, I, I believe that the, the people of God listening right now truly want to serve you. We want to do what you've called us to do. And many of us, we have no finances to get to the next level. And God, I believe that you can put an angel in our lives in the form of a person that uh, is able to hear you, God, and will obey your voice and be able to affect that change that is a catalyst for that person to have the breakthrough in your life. I, again, Father God, we agree, as Rob mentioned, that you like to work through your people. And so I'm asking, God, that uh, you would loose the fishes, just like uh, Jeffrey Beavers told me many months ago. He had a vision of the fishes swimming in. God, I ask that you would loose the fishes with the gold coins in their mouths to help people right now that are in financial hardship across this world, that we may be able to abound to every good work that you've called us to do. I'm asking that you would loose angels to create favor with the people right now that are looking for jobs. With the employers, God, you would give them divine connections, that the jobs that they need will open up, that they'll be able to take care of their families. We're asking for miracle healing right now for the people that have called in tonight, God, some that are sitting in the hospital. Right now we bind the spirit of infirmity and we lose healing in the name of Jesus Christ to the people that need a physical breakthrough right now, to the people that need a spouse, God. Maybe they've been 14 years alone. I know many people, God, that have been celibate for 14 years. They're almost ready to give up. Well, God, you know, you didn't create man to live alone. And if someone has been called to be a eunuch, then praise God. But there are many people, God, that are just looking for some companionship but they want to do it right this time. Maybe they're widows. 
maybe uh, their spouse has left them and committed adultery. And um, they're entitled to remarry. Father God, I'm asking for divine connections in their lives, that you would send godly men and women to them. That they may have someone, uh, they have a little bit of peace and joy in these last days, Father God, that we're entering in. It can be a help meet for them. We ask God for those tonight that have lost loved ones that are not saved, that have children that are on drugs and alcohol, that you would loose the Holy Spirit to convict these people of their need for you before it's too late. God, show mercy. We all have lost loved ones in our family. Show mercy, God, before time runs out. Loose angels out there for protection for the people of God tonight. I ask for a hedge of protection, a wall of fire around the people of God tonight. The Holy Spirit, in accordance with Zechariah 2 and 5. And I ask that you loose warrior angels to encircle the people of God tonight. You say that the angel of the Lord encampeth about the righteous. Well, we receive that, Father God. Right now, I break all hexes, vexes, curses, spells that have been sent against the people of God out there tonight. I break them off of them, and I command them to go back to the demon that sent them sevenfold. I apply the blood of Jesus to everyone listening tonight. And for the believers, take authority over the strong man and gatekeepers and even foul spirits, and I command you to come out of the people of God right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, all foul spirits, you must go in Jesus' name right now. Go to Jesus to be judged before your time. And for those that don't know Christ, we bind the strong man and all foul spirits in you, and I cage them up in you right now in Jesus Christ's name. And I ask God that you loose the Holy Spirit to convict them of their need for Jesus Christ, that they may get saved and then they can be set free of these foul spirits. I command all foul spirits that are tuning in to loose the human spirits of the people right now. Break all spirits of mind control right now. Break all confusion. Find the spirit of fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. I loose the spirits of peace and love and joy, power and a sound mind. Knowledge and wisdom, and of course, with Ephesians 1.17 and the people of God right now. I ask God that you let everybody have a sound sleep. We bind any foul spirits that would try to come in and attack us as we sleep. We bind incubus and asmodeus, succubus. We bind all foul spirits that would try to attack the people as they lay down tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. And for any that have been tormented in their dreams through demons that are sowed as they sleep as tares, we bind all witchcraft and all foul spirits that have come into the dream state. We bind you, you foul spirits. Loose the people of God right now and come out in Jesus' name. And I want to thank you, God, for what you're doing. I thank you for this program. I thank you for this opportunity every time we have to get together. For the remainder of time that the Internet is still up. And we thank you, God, for what you're doing. I ask that you would bless people. I ask that you continue to create favor for this program. Lift up again Dr. Pat Holliday, Pastor Michael Thier, John Gogan, Pastor John Kyle, John Franklin, and the uh, the ministers out there of God that are doing deliverance. The one-third of Jesus Christ's ministry that nobody wants to do these days, Father God. You were looking for a man, and you found no one. Well, God, I praise God that uh, there are some of this hour 
albeit very few, that are willing to stand up. And I think and praise you, Father God, for the, the people out there that you're drawing into this program that are learning about spiritual warfare and saying, yes, I will pick up the sword and I will get out there on the front lines, even if the rest of this country is asleep and are in the process of falling away. I'm going to be wake, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to learn about deliverance, and I'm going to go out there and get delivered myself. And I'm going to get trained in spiritual warfare and intercessory prayer. Father God, like we do on these programs on Saturday night and Sunday night with Doctor Pat Holiday and some of the other ministers. And then I'm going to go out there and help pluck people out of the fire. So we ask all these things, Father God, in Jesus' name. Let us not be deceived, Father God. Open our eyes. Let us be able to hear you when you speak. Speak to us in dreams and visions, through the prophets, through your word. And we thank you for what you're doing, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, praise God. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. We've got five minutes remaining. I want to give a couple announcements. We're going to have the school, let me, let me rephrase that, the, inter, the international school, of Intercessory and Warfare Prayer tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Dr. Pat Hall will be back. We're going to be doing this program. We're going to ask people that would like to make a difference to tune in and agree with us in prayer. You know, one woman or one man binding and loosing, doing spiritual warfare in Jesus' name can make a difference. I believe if enough of us get together, we can see more people saved before God winds all this thing down. And that's what we do on Sunday nights. We're going to pray for our families, schools, nations, and leaders. Look at what prayer did just recently. We were praying, and the G20 met, and they totally flopped over there. They literally walked away empty-handed. That's the power of prayer, my friends. And Satan knows this, and for this reason, he'll try to keep you away from these programs. You'll have someone call you and say, hey, don't listen to them over there. All they do is talk about demons. Well, folks, I'm here to say if you get rid of the demons, you'll be able to see clearly anything else God needs to show you. You know, they've been squatting in the people of God for far too long. It's time to kick them to the curb. That's your, your choice. You can go on and be tormented. You can see families and lives devastated. Or you can say, you know what? I'm mad as hell and I'm not taking it anymore. I'm going to take authority over these foul spirits, kick them to the curb in Jesus' name, get set free. I'm going to regain my mind. I'm going to see my fragmented soul restored. I'm going to experience some victory. And I'm going to be the head and not the tail. I am going to be an overcomer in Christ. And that's what we do with these programs. So there will be people that will try to distract you. You know, Don't be amazed if at the time we do a program, all of a sudden someone pops up at your house. Unexpected. You know, Satan will do anything he can to get you distracted from the truth. And don't believe what we say. Take it to the Word. Take it to take it to the Lord in prayer and test everything we say against the Word. But I'm here to tell you that one third of Jesus Christ's ministry deliverance is for today. Spiritual warfare is for today. Go read Ephesians six, and you've got to learn, okay, as quickly as you can because time is running out. And these hosts of hell are going to know that their time is short and Satan is going to be on the rampage. 
So you've got to get up to speed very fast. That's what we're doing as many programs as we can in the time remaining. And we need your help to do that. We certainly need your prayers. And if God has blessed you financially and you would like to support the ministry so we could go on to even larger platforms and pray about it, God will bless you. And so uh, we're going to have a program tomorrow night. Every Saturday night is Dr. Pat Holiday School of Deliverance. Sunday night, 8 p.m., is the Intercessory Warfare Prayer School. And then I've got some great programs up coming up this week. I've got Prophet Scott Lathrop coming back on. I'm really looking forward to that. We've got Steve Quell Tuesday night. I've got Johnny Ova tomorrow night. We're going to have Al Cuppet back Wednesday. And that's just the people that I have plugged in today. Uh, we may be going back to two night shows a night. And uh, I want to tell you, if um, you're unable to catch these things live, make sure you download them on MP3. You can get all this stuff for free right over to MegamanRadio.com. Check out MiracleInternetChurch.com and PatHoliday.com. Also, WRWPublications.com, home of Wynn Worley, Michael Thier Material, AgapeBible.org, John Gogan. And uh, praise God. Love y'all guys and gals. God bless you. Keep me in prayer. And uh, I'll see you again on the next edition of Omega Man Radio. Thanks to, thank you, Rob Skiba, for coming on tonight. His show will be up in the archives in about 15 minutes, if you missed it. God bless everyone. Thank you for listening to Omega Man Radio. Our mission is to operate in the threefold ministry of Jesus Christ and take evangelism, deliverance from demons, and miracle healing to the world. If you would like to partner with us, you can support this work by donating any amount online at OmegaManRadio.com. Join us in an all-out attack against the hosts of hell. It's time to deliver a death blow to the enemy and take back territory for Jesus. Tell a friend and support Omega Man Radio.